For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. All, all sorts of work being done on all sorts of different roads, right? Uh, on the Ring Road, we've got um, a, a big new pedestrian bridge going in, of course, and people are trying to come up with a name for it. But the N25, I won't blind you with numbers and roads and details now, but you know down around Dunkettle, parts of that's going to have to be closed for uh, a 24-hour period next uh, weekend for essential surfacing work. But bizarrely, because of that then, and it has to be done, I suppose, Cork Bio come up with an interesting analogy this morning. They're saying that, let's say you're coming up from Middleton and you want to go into the city. Or let's say, for instance, you want to get to Glanmire, which is even more interesting. You want to get to Glanmire Village. You can't go up that little slipping of a road there for a 24-hour period. So instead, you would have to... <laughs> come through the Jack Lynch Tunnel along the South Ring Road to the Kinsale Road roundabout uh, up the South Link across two bridges up the Lower Road the Glanmire Road back down through Tivoli down to the Glanmire roundabout and hook a left <laughs> so that would take you about 40 minutes uh, and it would be an extra 24 kilometres for your route uh, it's well put that actually it just goes to show but thankfully only for a 24 hour period as the fellow says Mr. Unhutchable is the front page of Making the Sun it probably is the headline of the day today Mr. Unhutchable a shaggy haired uh, Jerry the Monk Hutch walks free from court yesterday thanks very Hutch is the front page of Making the Mirror this morning uh, and the star talks about the, bount- the bounty on his head now it's an incredible story and um, he's been found not guilty of the murder of David Byrne because the jury, or sorry, the judges, it was a non-jury special criminal court uh, trial, they found that the evidence wasn't there to establish that Hutch was actually present uh, or participating in the murder of uh, David Byrne, uh, the 33-year-old who was who was shot. Um, so on that basis then, they could not convict. So a lot of people probably were very surprised. Now, as to whether Hutch was surprised, I don't know. You can't tell by any of the facial expressions. He's got so much of a beard and long, long hair. But out he goes, hails a taxi and legs it. And this is where it gets interesting because the SAR this morning is saying that there is a one million euro bounty to take him out. Uh, and they're suggesting uh, that he will spend the rest of his life looking over his shoulder, no matter where he decides to spend his newfound freedom, because the Kinnahan cartel has a one million euro bounty on his head. Now, uh, of course, lots of people were talking about it yesterday, and people were making up all sorts of fake boarding passes on flights to Malaga and Marbella and places like that. Um, and I don't know, is there a chance that he's already left Ireland for Spain or wherever? Uh, but with the threat on his life... Uh, Uh, the monk who turned 60 last weekend, is unlikely to spend any time living in Dublin in the fear that he will be seen as a sitting duck, or Ireland for that matter. So I was making all of the newspapers this morning. Um, He also needs to get out of the country because there's ongoing investigations into allegations that he directed the activities of the Hutch organised crime gang. So he's beaten a rap with regards to yesterday, but there could be other stuff coming down through the court system and they're saying he needs to get out of the country to beat those so he's not around for those court cases. Uh, papers this morning talk about inquiries, court cases and guard investigations. It's the front page of the uh, Echo this morning where members of the defence forces who have come forward I spoke to one last week with uh, allegations of sexual abuse or harassment from within the defence forces. They will be heard. They will be supported by on-guard investigations uh, and a public statutory inquiry will still be needed. And that's why it's a front pager making the echo today. There's one other interesting, just a quick note 
on, on Court Reports. Liam Healan on the front of the Echo this morning talks of uh, Fintan Tindley from Mahan. Um, he has now pleaded guilty to two post office uh, incidents. The former HSE home care assistant, uh, who was never in any trouble, uh, confessed to robbing from two post offices and trying to rob a third while carrying a knife and threatening to kill people. You're, you're aware of that. Uh, so he had faced the prospect, prospect of trial by judge and jury uh, if he hadn't entered guilty pleas. So that's the latest update on that. Um, at this point, there's not a whole lot more to say apart from the fact that the future court date will be set. But remember I was telling yesterday morning of a, uh, it has turned out to be a, a, a stabbing incident in uh, Ballancolig. And Mooney has a little byline story on that in the sun this morning because it's a man in his 30s who was stabbed in the face during a vicious row. Now, what's interesting about this is the amount of knife crime that people are engaging in. Another part of it that's interesting is that this is the second time that there's been a knife attack on the victim who is known to Gardaí. And guards have launched a probe into the attack in Ballancolic on Sunday. He was stabbed. There was a clash between a group of young men and himself and afterwards whoever did the deed fled on foot. So uh, another knife crime uh, and the second one to this particular individual. You know, uh, your data is valuable to those that can get their hands on it. And that's why we're hearing more and more these days about hacking. Uh, And amongst those that were hacked is one in four. And I spoke about this on air yesterday morning. It offers counselling to adult survivors um, of sexual abuse. Uh, It's warning its clients now that and anybody else that's been hacked, actually, it could be MTU, it could have been the HSC, or indeed the likes of uh, one and four. Uh, mind you, it's just one of 140 different groups in the Republic, the North and in the UK that have been hacked. The next stage for people now is to think about getting a solicitor, but also be very careful with regards to emails or texts that you might receive from people. Be, again, the, the, the story being, be careful what you click on and be careful what you open. Uh, actually, also be careful what you tweet and retweet. And this is the story that I mentioned on air uh, yesterday morning. Um, and it has to, actually, I think I started talking about this last, last Friday. Um, and it has to do with Councillor Sean Martin, who retweeted a post by Paul Golding. Um, and the Echo this morning described Paul Golding as an English fascist with multiple convictions for assault and hate crimes twice imprisoned for religiously motivated hatred. Um, And uh, he was the man who put the tweet together saying that the gollywog, um, sometimes it was a a cartoon, sometimes it was a little doll, sometimes it was actually people on stage in caricature, that is not racist. Uh, Unfortunately for Sean Martin, he retweeted that, got into a lot of grief over it and subsequently deleted the tweet um, claiming that he didn't actually know who... Paul Golding was, or understand really um, the uh, the mistake that he had made. Uh, but I see that the latest development in this now is that um, we find that the Green Party councillor uh, Fiona Ryan has uh, called him a dinosaur, and she goes on goes on to say that he's still very much present within the party itself, but he represents a backwardness that is still present within the party. Uh, So that's a story that uh, continues to grow legs. Uh, And maybe that's what we're going to need to do is use our legs, Shanks Mayor, uh, because, uh, you know, the 40,000 drivers in Cork now still don't have an NCT date. And when you ratchet that number up nationally, you're talking about significantly higher numbers. But 40,000 of them uh, here in Cork, 300,000 across the country. 
if this isn't an example of how this system is broken and needs to be replaced or at least fixed, I don't know what is. Just under 40,000 drivers in Cork waiting for an NCT date. It's not working, lads. What are we going to do to fix it? And then, uh, and here's the story that we've dealt with on the air, and it always gets people um, passionate, and that is cash versus cards. Cash being king, not so much anymore. Cards and tapping being the way forward. And the marquee, live of the marquee, is going to do two things this summer. One, it's going to be a cashless affair. So you're going to have to bring bank cards or debit cards. No cash. It'll all be tap and go. And the other thing, according to the Echo this morning, is they are, they've announced a system. You know, they've, they've partnered with a, a new system called Yonder. And Yonder would create phone-free spaces for artists and individuals. And Yonder, which will be used for the first time at Live of the Marquee, will be used for the Tommy Tiernan's performance, Tom Foolery, on June 8th and June 15th. Now, I can drill in later on as to exactly how Yonder works. Uh, I'm not 100% sure whether you surrender up your phone. Uh, I imagine that's probably what the system is. But it certainly means that they're trying to encourage people to you know, switch the damn things off and you know, don't be acting the fool with them. Each phone is placed in a little pouch, I believe. They call them yonder pouches. And it locks when it's closed and you flow into and out of the designated phone-free space. Um, you secure your phone in the pouch and you unlock the pouch then when you exit, that kind of thing. I think they, the locking and unlocking is probably at the entrance and exit, isn't it? And so that's what it's going to be. So that's the latest developments there. Uh, there are awful lot of developments with regards to artificial um, intelligence as opposed to artificial insemination. I see one of them this morning is from the Mail where they say that a fellow won the Sony World Photography Awards with an AI photograph uh, it's not even a digitally enhanced or changed photograph. Uh, it actually is a photograph that was created by artificial intelligence by actually typing in what you want the artificial intelligence to produce. Give it the instructions for the photograph and it will make it. And it did. And it won the Sony World Photography Awards. Uh, he did it on purpose just to see if it would be picked up by Sony by the uh, award category judges. It wasn't, so he contacted them himself saying he doesn't want the prize. They actually said to him, yeah, you can keep it anyway. But it goes to show the changing world we live in. In fact, you know, there's a story in the mail this morning talking about AI. Um, and it says, for years, young girls have felt pressure to live up to impossible body ideals. But more and more top brands are using computer-generated models. And they print images of girls and women selling clothing that aren't real people. Every single photograph is actually created by a computer. So it's looks like photographs of women of all different ages wearing clothing or drinking drinks or wearing coats or whatever but they're not real people they do not exist at all so now you're competing with regards to looks and body image and fashion with people that were never actually walking on the planet in the first place and some of the countries that are doing companies that are doing this are MS, levi fila uh, chanel and marks and spencer and each of the photographs and they are incredibly lifelike are not real people at all 
great news down east along. I see this morning's mirror is saying that Alejandro Mazan, this 10-year-old who uh, was lucky to survive a vicious pit bull attack five months ago, he's gone back to school for the first time yesterday after the Easter break. He went back to meet all his buddies and all his teachers and he's delighted and happy to be back. It's a lovely story making the red tops on that one this morning. Uh, and talking about children, you see that story uh, at the weekend, I saw it in the Daily uh, Telegraph on Saturday. And it's a story out of uh, the Netherlands because euthanasia and indeed assisted suicide is legal there. But the latest development in this is that parents in the Netherlands will be able to euthanize their terminally, terminally ill children if they have run out of treatment options under a relaxation of the voluntary death laws in in. Holland. So the Dutch government yesterday tweaked the Euthanasia Act to cover children between the ages of one and the age of 12 for the very first time. Uh, Now, their regulations for euthanasia, which is different from assisted suicide, incidentally, um, it's deemed to be a medical procedure. And that already covers terminally ill babies and older children in the Netherlands. But now it will be all children up to and including the age of 12, where there is absolutely no hope of improvement and palliative care cannot bring relief from pain. Uh, your thoughts on that are welcome, incidentally, because I know it's a topic of conversation that many people have an opinion on. You can text 0868-104-106. Papers also this morning uh, talk of um, Joe Biden continuing to make gaff after gaff after gaff. And apparently, according to the Mirror, this has nothing to do with Ireland beating the black and tans playing rugby. This is to do with him getting off, um, um, I don't know whether he was getting off a plane or whether he was back in the White House, but a reporter, uh, yeah, he was stepping off the plane and a reporter said to him, uh, did he think that we were any closer to a united Ireland following his visit to Ireland? And he said, I think it will happen. I think we're getting close. But apparently he had to quickly backtrack and said that he misunderstood or misheard the question. Uh, And he said, no, I'm not actually calling for United Ireland at this time. Like, why wouldn't he be calling for United Ireland at this time? Uh, you know, why is he be so touchy-feely about it? Uh, I probably should have mentioned this, actually. I was talking about, um, you know, uh, body image and AI technology and, and fashion. But there's also a story in the mail today that not for the first time um, we're hearing, coming out of America, an enormous, massive claim against United States cosmetic giants because uh, women have claimed that they developed cancer from asbestos in their makeup or asbestos or cancer agents in talcum powder. So that's going to be enormous if it ever gets to court. And also, can I just mention finally in a lighthearted note, come back to everything else a little later on, Baywatch is set to return to television after two decades. It's not the only show from back in time that's being remade, but even David Hasselhoff is ready to feature in the reboot of Baywatch. The question everybody's been answering, actually, asking is whether or not Pamela Anderson will feature in the remake of Baywatch. And it's entirely unlikely that she will have anything to do with it. Like, um, you know... It's interesting because David Hasselhoff played 206 episodes and made 3 million euro a year from the repeats alone. But wait for it. Pamela Anderson made only 1,000 euro a year for her 77 episodes as C.J. Parker and is unlikely to sign up again. Why would there have been such... Was it his show? Was it his idea? Did he write it? Did he create... He was the main star, I know, but... Pamela Anderson, I never saw an episode of Baywatch, incidentally. 
See the, saw the promos for it. People are running along in red bikinis and swimming pants in slow motion. But other than that, why would there be such a huge disparity in pay? I mean, it's enormous. Papers also this morning talk about issues involving Cork businesses. And I know there have been problems, of course, for Casanova Gelata, who on George's Key, I was telling you last week, they're closing. It's kind of sad, actually, because I believe if you drill into that story, they were actually desperately looking for another location and failed to find one that was suitable. You would think that that would have been an easy thing to do with so many buildings there empty. I mean, is it to do with rent or costs of rent or whatever? And also uh, news this morning uh, that uh, there's been a sale. I have it here on my phone somewhere, if I can just find it. Uh, and that is Soho, uh, which is going to change hands. Um, it's a, it's an amazing uh, story, actually, Soho, because it's been uh, doing the business for 17 years on the Grand Parade. Uh, but at the weekend, they posted a notice saying that the business will be handed over to new owners in a few weeks' time at Soho. And they want to relive all of the past 17 years and the echo of a lovely article on the different reasons that people would go to Soho down through the years and one that jumps off the page time and time and time again had to do with their chicken wings. So the business will continue um, with uh, new owners uh, but Soho changes hands. Undisclosed amount. I don't know what that is. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106 straight to the phone lines we go. Bernard O'Hare joins me by WhatsApp. Bernard, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking the call. You are one of those okay. whose data has been hacked. Um, part of the one in four group, which offers counselling to adults mm. like yourself who survived sexual abuse and rape and paedophilic activity. In your case, at the hands of the school teacher Patrick Curran, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. I got a phone call there on Friday informing me that there there was a breach of the system but um that was only to say that it was only you know um contact details etc um it wasn't until i actually listened to the morning ireland interview with Maeve lewis and the ceo of one and four that um it's actually more than that okay, and they unsure. call it highly sensitive and personal information stolen yeah, yeah, yeah. But they said that it was um, she put it in as uh, personal information and short records of people's engagements with with the services. So, yeah. So all of the details and say data or information, much of from the heart and alarming and very frightening to to you because you were living the life of a reliving yourself as a, as a ten, eleven, and twelve year old. All that's been hacked. Yeah, um, everything everything that I've originally said to them from the start, which would have been, I first went to the Gardaí actually in 2016 about what happened when I was younger. And then um, I then had to look for services which do help people in, in my case, you know. So um, somebody had said about this organisation, Dublin 1 and 4. So yeah, yeah. I'd contacted them then and I suppose we would have had preliminary talks as in like, you know, um, discuss what happens and see where to go, how's the investigation going, things like that, you know. So it's your whole life story? The whole trauma? Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've I've been quite vocal of it because I am... uh, since you know, wave me anonymity and such because yeah, yeah. So I've lived a, I've lived the hellfire I suppose for thirty years. A lot of stuff obviously done wrong with myself, you know, drugs and trouble and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but, but Bernard, you know, Bernard, that was as a consequence of what happened to you. 
I know. I, I understand that too. And I, I, I do get that, but I've made a lot of wrong choices where you have to sort of accept responsibility. Okay. But there's stuff that I would have said, I wouldn't have even, like I get on brilliantly with Seamus there and the stuff I haven't even told him about what happened. And it's not that obviously I went in the height, I was, I was 10 years of age, you know, it's just, you know, stuff, family stuff and other information that I didn't put out there. This sounds to me as the worst type of hacking imaginable. I'm not belittling other forms of hacking, HSC, MTU, yeah. you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, okay, they're, some of them are medical records with the HSC. Uh, the yeah. CIT hack was maybe, I don't know, personal data, PPS numbers, uh, you know, mm. uh, passport numbers, well, exam results, but your, yeah. yours is very personal. It is because when you think about it, as when you when you dive into it, that it it shows the rootlessness of the hackers. Because I was listening to the report from Monday, sorry, Morning Ireland, with Maeve Lewis, and um, the if the second part of it, if you if you listen to it, is a I suppose you'd be a data expert in that, and that what they're doing is that there's a rise in attacks. On organiz- in sorry against organisations like one and four and other organisations that would hold highly sensitive information sensitive. like that, yeah. um, because what Jaman said was that what will happen like there was uh, Avida the company that the data company that holds it for one and four and other organisations like forty different um, organisations that they manage no one hundred and forty yeah yeah. 140, yeah, and um, that there was a ransom made to them, but they refused to pay it. So what your man says was the next step for that was to um, contact individuals personally. So say, for example, like someone, one of them contacted me now saying, oh, I want, we'll, we'll just say a thousand euros. I want a thousand euros. I'm putting it out there. What you told people about X, Y, and Z. Do you know what I mean? You and haven't been again, contacted, though, or approached for money, have you? Oh, no, no, no. God, well, it was a waste of time anyway. <laughs> but um, no, I, I'm just saying that, well, I only what I was told on Friday was that it was only personal information, as in the phone numbers and emails, but they never, told, it wasn't until I listened to the Morning Ireland program that I understand just how much they don't even know themselves. They said that uh, details of con, um, you know criminal investigations weren't accessed, but then she went from um, being adamant that it wasn't them got hacked it was a vida but it went from that to actually not been sure of what information exactly was taken so it's a possibility that, that it could be unlimited yes hacking. oh yeah yeah but see what um yeah. they never told me that it was short records of people's engagements as in like yeah what what's the definition of short engagements yeah. you know how does it, make, how does it make you feel though to know that it's in the hands of criminals now well, like obviously, like um, I was annoyed about it for. Well, I wasn't really bothered at first. I'm not going to lie to you. I have so much other stuff going on, but I'm just going to put it to the back of my mind. I says there's one more kick in the teeth in concerning this whole investigation, this whole incident coming out, and everything that's happened. But um, certainly, that if someone threatened to put it out there, and, and if they approach you for money and say you don't have it, and to put it out there anyways, the damage that could cause. For like just them, it's it's embarrassing. Yeah, details, particularly you know I mean? if there's aspects of it that haven't been made public by the likes of your good self or others like you, which could be upwards of could it be over a thousand different individuals like your good self have engaged with one and four. Yeah, two thousand, I, I believe, was mentioned in one of the articles I read. Two thousand victims and survivors. 
Yeah, well, um, so far, one and four said is over a thousand people, and they've managed to contact five hundred people so far. Um, and then, sure, they hold that company holds another uh, like 140 um, different companies and organizations. And what are these companies and organizations? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Are they are they as highly sensitive information as say? You know, I'm not going to start naming other companies because I don't know. But you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Would it be as serious as some of these details? Because people's, I, I waive my anonymity and I have my own reasons for doing that. But there's other people out there whose anonymity oh, yes. hasn't been waived yes, but there, because yes. because of to protect the to protect the victim or you know from court or whatever the court orders. And so there's another and. Um, I suppose outside of the company that there's another highly sort of sensitive target for them. For those that could, never made their identity public. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose the whole process of that, yeah. but I have my own understanding since I've been through it is that it protects the, the victim. Yes. As frustrating as it is, but yes. if it, if, if for obvious reasons, because not everyone is able to come out and talk about it and, and not everyone is able to say stuff about it. Totally, and yeah. Yeah, and and sometimes and it was never it was never yeah. made public for court and legal reasons. But is, is there yes. any chance whatsoever um, that the individuals like your good self could be approached by the hackers demanding ransom directly? Well, to be honest with you, uh, I'm not make, making a joke of it. They'll be wasting their time with me. No, I, well, I but know, but you know, they could turn around and say to me, "Well, we're going to do it anyways." And then, if that happened, then I, I'd be honest with you then I'd be absolutely mortified. I mean, anxiety would be through the roof because it was embarrassing stuff about what, what went on at that time. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember when I first came out about it, even the girls that first interviewed me had to kind of settle me down a bit because I was just, it all came flowing out, you know what I'm saying? So again, I don't know what their definition of short records of people's engagements was. So for me, they, they can just go ahead and put it out there but that's for you yes it, but for others you know, and maybe even including yeah. you using a, a, the modern parlance of triggering it could trigger all sorts of emotional responses from people who have been damaged and that's oh, 100% and no one can no one, no one really knows what it could trigger do you know that sort of way Neil? like hey, we're all different we're all different people obviously we react to the same situation but different in different ways you know and um there's the mental health aspect of it. There's, totally. you know, what it took for someone to come forward in the first place. You know, that's, that's awful. a highly it's sensitive awful. time. The more I think of it, it's, it's, yeah. it's awful that people are living now not knowing what is going to happen next to something that was hugely impacting on their lives yeah. and what happened to them. I mean, in your own case, is, is, is Patrick Kern, is he still alive, the paedophile school teacher? <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he's still alive. Um, the case was on the 14th of October last year and they gave him a week to get his stuff together uh, to, what do you call it, you know, because he's farming and stuff like that and get the animals sorted and then he was sent to jail apparently. It was actually two weeks later, but sure look, that's the way the law works. But he got two years with one suspended. So with remission, he should should be by right if my dates are correct, be out in July. I was going to say June, July. Yeah. 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 So, um, that's what you get for, for what he done. And it was all predicated on the fact that he was, um, you know, his age, his, um, previous convictions, so on and so forth. There was more emphasis put on his age and the fact that he had abused other children. And even during the court, I was asked, why didn't I not come out at the same time as everybody else, which I thought was wrong. 
but so that's the way the system works, unfortunately. Isn't it? That's unfortunately the way it, it is, works. It is. It puts you, you in know, a position where you feel as if you're not believed or you're a liar or you're you're making it up. Or Neil, Neil I'd be I'm totally honest with you, and I, and I mean this in the greatest respect. It's, it's a bit like when we talk about the drugs or anything else. It's not about me saying that, um, you know, not to, to tell people to come forward. I say it because if I'm getting treated like this, how many other people got treated? I wish I never came out about it now. Between the, the, the stress it caused... You know, it was my mum was sick around the same time. Do you know, it was just so much going on that, like, and the way things have turned out. And now with this as well, I was just like, "On what's it going to be next?" Do you know? Um. Yeah, there was. If I remember correctly, there was you and ten other students. Um, yes. That he was convicted yeah, was, for abusing. Yeah. Were there other? Were there other jail sentences? There was, there was, well, when it was reported again after, you see, they want to keep it quiet, but there was five teachers in total that was uh, charged in that school. They operated around the same 30, 40 year period and they said there was no paedophile ring, but there was three Maris brothers and two lay teachers um, convicted of some of the most heinous crimes. I mean, if you Google yourself, I always say this to people, so before I start talking about it, because then they have a somewhat sort of an understanding um, but yeah, there was five in the one school, and, and, what I, done, and I would need like, to stick to only in, uh, issues that have been made public. You know what I mean? Um, or in the oh no, realm. absolutely yeah, no. Listen, I get that, mate. And yeah. some of it has been made public. And the reason why I, I made it public was uh, from the way it was handled and the fact of who it was. I just lost out so much because of him. Again, I accept responsibility in my life, but there's one situation, one individual, him. I he has to accept responsibility for what he done to me too. At the same time, I know there's other kids out there that got it worse to me, but there was so much more to it that people don't know about. Really, you yeah. know. And did he, you know, during that court case, for instance? I mean, were 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 you there? Sorry, were you at the court appearance where he was sentenced to the two years one suspended? Well, I was at it the day of the sentencing, all right. I, I didn't go to any of the other ones. I could have gone to them, but it, they kept getting adjourned and moved okay. forward or whatever. So did he ever admit to his guilt, apologise? He denied it when he was first um, questioned in Donegal. And then he admitted guilt and then he tried to change it. And then he tried to change it again. So he tried to change it on three times. Um, it was just kicking the bucket down the road, really. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. But in the end, Judge Comerford um, says to him that he's not going to let him change his plea back to not guilty. You're guilty already. So, mm. Mm. you know, when I, but when I went there, I hadn't seen him in, well, 40, no, 40 years, Jesus, 30 years. And he did try and steer me out of it in the court and things like that. He didn't. There was other reporters there that could back this up mm. and there was other people there, you know. Mm. He just kept staring at me and things like that. And for all my for all my uh, big mouth, as you can tell me, over the last few years in Cork, well, I I, I was cowering, man, you know, because mm. it's been such a long time, you know. Brought it so, all back again, but, back, back to your eleven-year-old yeah, self. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's not, it's not easy. As I said, I know there was other boys and girls out there all across the country that maybe have got it worse in terms of some stuff that was done, but he played a he played a right game with me for over a year. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was mm. just waiting, biding his time for certain things. Grooming. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, I know it's a hard thing to say, but like, that's exactly what it was. And that's what, he used to keep, his, he used to keep the boot of his car filled with sweets and, and crisps and all yeah. sorts of things. And oh, he'd be, he'd be yeah. targeting so he new to victims me. as he went along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I thought I was cool in front of some of the lads. I know this might make me sound like a bit like a scumbag or something, but he'd hang his jacket on the back of the door in, in class. And I said this to the guards in, in the course and stuff like that. Uh, and he'd, he'd leave money in the jacket and then he'd tell me, oh, go up and take it in front of everyone when I leave the class. And I'd put it in my pocket and run back down to the, you know, the desk. Yeah, but you were only a child. So it made me look like, yeah, it made me look like I was popular or that I was crazy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All along, you know yourself, Neil. It's, it's see some of this stuff as well. Probably this, like I'm talking to you about it now, and I probably do talk about it more because before I'd rather say it before it gets out. But there's just some certain stuff with this hack thing that I just don't want to get now because no. it'll cause trouble. And it'll, no, I wouldn't cross, I wouldn't cross that bridge of uh, until until if and when it happens, and it may never happen. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. You know, you know. All right, my man. How's life going for you? Otherwise than that, um, you. I know that because well, of because of what happened to you as a young fella, you you were you were in the depths of drug dependency and your life spiraled right. out of control. But you're getting it together, aren't you? You you seem to be in a much better place. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just disappointed with how I I, I was acting in 2021, uh, which when the time the slip and stuff, and then for another couple of months, I absolutely disgraced myself. I, uh, you know, I don't want to always pour me or pity me. I have to accept responsibility because I Why should have been a lot stronger. Why you disgraced myself? But, Why would you say that? No, because just the way I behaved, I, I, I spent so long, and it's, I get us off pity. But when I started off in penny dinners doing me volunteering, and then I started getting involved in other stuff, it was a way of 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 changed my life around because it was poor dark for years, man. I didn't care whether I went on or lived or whatever. I had nothing to live for. So I started getting involved in all that stuff. And it was just, I worked so hard in doing what I'd done and trying to be a better person. And then it all just fell apart, you know. And it was and it was the pressure of the case. That everything, everything got to me. And, you know, I was just... Yeah. That's just the way I felt, you know? I know. I know. But I can get back there now. Like, there's no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You might, might might not exactly be on top of the world at the moment, but you get back there because if you can do it once, you can do it again. Absolutely. You know? Pick yourself back up again. Thanks be to God you never exactly. touched. Thanks be to God you never touched heroin. That's for sure. Bloody hell. No, I came close to it now. And sometimes when things are really bad in the hostel and you see everyone else, you go, what's the point? But thank God, yeah, but there thank was other God. substances. Thank so God. I don't really think I'm better. You know yourself. All right, my man. Listen, keep fighting the good fight and good to catch up with you. And thanks for all the recent work yeah. you did on the streets with uh, with Seamus. I do appreciate every little bit of help that you ah, give. Ah, no, listen, if it, if it had saved, if it had saved people, you you're know, from losing good people, like, you know, so... Okay. Mind yourself, no, Bernard. Look after yourself. Take, Take care, care man. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Just as a final, by the way, incidentally, Curran's previous convictions included 192 counts of indecently assaulting nine boys aged between 8 and 12 years old between... Wait for it. 1966 and 1984. How much of those kind of details and that very personal traumatic information would be uh, shared by hackers uh, on the web if a ransom was not paid? I've spoken in the past to Ronan Murphy from Smart Tech. Here we are again talking about yet another hack. Ronan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Not so sure how much of the conversation you heard with myself and Bernard, but this is very personal, detailed information. Is there a real threat and a worry that this would be released? Um, there is. Uh, t- uh, truthfully, it's, it's, it's a terrible situation, but the nature of ransomware has evolved over the years, Neil, insofar as initially ransomware, um, it's a form of extortion, right, where the, these hackers would come in, they'd, they'd deny access to your systems, and then you would pay them, and if you paid, you got, you got the access to your systems back. 
but then very quickly people started evolving where they were backing up their data and they had, uh, they, they had more copies of their their information. So if they f- fell victim to a ransomware attack, they could restore it. So these guys then innovated and they said, okay, um, let's once we get in, let's deny them access to their system, but now let's also steal their data. And this is called double extortion. So what they'll do is they'll say, okay, pay us to get access to your system. If you don't pay us, um, you pay us to get your data back. So that's double extortion. But now it's evolved to another level, which is called triple extortion. And this is what makes this particular case so unfortunate. So they'll start by saying to, to this evade company in, in, in the north, look, pay us and we'll give you access to their systems. They will refuse to pay. They'll say, well, uh, pay us and we'll give you your data back. And if they then refuse to pay, what they then will typically do is they'll go downstream, they'll start disseminating the data, they'll start looking for nuggets of uh, valuable information which they can either compromise from a financial perspective or they can try and extort the particular victims of that. And that's the horrible, true nature of this problem. The horrible, true nature is that they would approach, say, for instance, victims of abuse who are very open and candid about their life story for money. well, well, I mean, you, you, that, that, that's how horrible this is. Or you, you could look at them when they take down a children's hospital and, you know, people can't get access to dialysis or chemotherapy because these, these criminals have taken down the entire hospital, which is, you know, life and death. So, I mean, they have absolutely um, no morals whatsoever. Um, and this is the reality of the world we live in. But the HSE didn't pay. Uh, MTU didn't pay. The chances of Avid paying, they've said they're not going to pay. Well, what's the what's the point? Nobody pays them, do they? Um, nobody pays them, but the the data which they which they steal and which they extract from these organisations can be quite valuable for a number of different reasons. From whether they try, as I mentioned, whether they try and extort the victims who are down the supply chain, or if they try and um, uh, collect their financial information. There's a whole different uh, array of methods that these guys use to try and monetize their endeavors. But this is particularly nasty because this will have psychological and mental impacts on people. It, it could lead to self-harm or suicide. It's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. Um, I mean... Well, the big issue here, right, the big issue for organizations is that they're going to have to take a very hard look at themselves and look at how they collect data, how they handle data, how they process data, how they secure data. Because there's a problem uh, in this industry, let's call it the cybersecurity industry, where people think, OK, I've got antivirus and I've got a firewall, I'm fine. And, but data security is very different, Neil. It's where you collect and store and process and classify all of this very sensitive information about victims or about patients or, or whoever it might be. Um, and the type of controls that are required around that, um, I would say, are lax in most organisations. But it's but then, possible to be 100% protected, is it, if people have the will? Absolutely. So, so protecting data, it's 100%. It can be protected. But vic- companies, organisations who fall victim to this type of attack they do not have, they have not protected the data. That's the cold, harsh reality. So then they're, then are they not culpable in something that could actually lead them to be sued by victims? 100%, because what they'll do is they'll say, look, we had a firewall, we had an antivirus, we, you know, we were trying to protect our, our systems, but they were not looking at the data. They were not ensuring that, 
you know, all of these documents which contain very sensitive information which are flying around the internet and flying around the network had the adequate controls. And that's why, I mean, at a very granular level, that's why when these guys got in, they were able to steal all of that data because they didn't have encryption, they didn't have classification, they didn't have data loss prevention, they didn't have, you know, data governance access and all of these kind of... Would they have anonymized the files, do you think? That's a kind of a GDPR thing, isn't it, where somebody would have a reference number but not a name? Yeah, it sounds unlikely, but you're dead right. I mean, anonymization of data encryption of data, classification of data, these are all of the terms which sit in the world of data security, which is very different to cyber security. Okay. And where these organizations will be in trouble is when, I, I think you the solicitor on next, but when people sit back and they talk about cyber security, data security is very different. And it's not enough to say, and I, I think I saw one of the, the chief executives, I think it's of, of one in four, she turned around and she said, look, we don't know what data they took because we don't know where the data is. And, you, you know, you look, look, at, look at the radio station there, right? How many times do you get an email with a document that somebody else might have created for some particular reason and you might edit it and save it and forward a copy of it back to somebody else? The exact same goes in hospitals and these types of organizations where, you know, they may need somebody, someone's advice on a, I, on a clinical I report know. or something. I, I, I know. And, and, I and mean, the consequence of that is you've got what we call data sprawl. You've this data traversing the organization, sitting absolutely everywhere. And once one of these hackers get in, it's carte blanche. They just take what they want, and then you, you, you find yourself in the, dealing with these type of repercussions. Okay, okay. Um, is this out of Russia? Uh, more than likely, yeah. 90, 95% of them um, are, yes. Uh, but are they state-sanctioned hacks? Everything in Russia is state-sanctioned, absolutely. Good God. Yeah. All right, listen, as always, I, I mean, I don't know whether they asked you this before, but, like, what's next? Hacking Pulse, the Garda system? What, what, what's coming down the track? I, I, every, everything is fair game. I mean, as far as these guys are, con- are concerned, absolutely everyone and anything is fair game. Are banks just, safe now? I, I mean, they invest more heavily than anybody in trying to deal with this. Because they're obviously, you know, they're they're very much a bona fide target because they, they, the reward of getting of of compromising a bank is very substantial. So they have to double down very aggressively on this. But there's so much low hanging fruit for these guys. Um, the effort that sometimes goes into a bank is just easier to go after um, smaller organisations where their chances of monetizing it are are at scale or more or quicker. Okay, thanks as always for taking the call, Ronan. Do appreciate it, Ronan Murphy from Smart Tech. We have a lot of calls with them, but it just goes to show the reason why I have a lot of calls with the likes of Smart Tech, because the world is changing, and not for the better in many ways, at a ferocious path, path uh, pace, I should say. How, how are we fixed with regards to this uh, legally, uh, or in some way, shape, or form, taking a, a case on something like this happening to you? Back after the break. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Michael O'Dowd is the owner and founder of O'Dowd Solicitors in Glanmire and from Moy. Joins me by phone. Michael, or Hall, I should say. Good morning to you. Hi, Neil. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. In, in the event of, say, somebody's data or personal information being hacked or shared or robbed, it could be a bank, it could be the HSC, it could be an insurance company, it could be revenue, it could be the education system, which you saw with the MTU, it could be medical files within a GP. If that happens to an individual, do they have an automatic recourse to law? Um, yes, Neil, they, there is an automatic recourse, but uh, I suppose everything there is an automatic guarantee you will you will get anything. 
um, from it. The, the law, I suppose, is, is, is in a state of flux at the moment. It's, um, it's changed, I suppose, since the GDPR, which I'm sick of hearing, obviously. But, mm. but one of the things that this brought in was it allowed a claim for what they call non-material loss. And that has been the subject of much judicial debate and spilt ink by lawyers. Non, non-material Europe. loss has something to no. do with what kind of um, so information it, it, as opposed to money? Yeah, exactly. So if we compare it to a car, let's say, you know, if you, if you were in a car crash, your car will be damaged. That's a material loss. But you may also be hurt in some form and that would be generally viewed as non-material. If you, if you apply it to, to a data protection or a privacy area, a non-material loss might be, let's say, someone's medical records yeah. are stolen. They yeah. might be very, very private to them. They yeah. may be traumatised in the extreme by it, but they can't point to their bank account being cleared out or yeah. they can't point to anything particularly happening. So are, are they entitled to, to, to damages for that? Yes, they are. How much? We, we don't know okay. is the answer at the moment. Has anybody had a look at maybe suing the HSE for that breach? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe they did any more than apologise, was it? Uh, correct. I suppose we, in, in this office here, we have a, a number of cases against the Mercy Hospital, as it happens, rather than the HSE. And the reason for that largely is the Mercy Hospital came out early on in the process and acknowledged that that there, there had been an issue and some data was leaked on the dark web and people were informed, whereas the HSE only started notifying people recently and uh, things are further down the line there, I suppose I'll put it that way. Um, so, so some of those cases are still ongoing there and they're being, they're being fought tooth and nail. Okay, so we can't go into the detail of any of that because not it will really, be before the case. Really. But there are, there are active cases then Correct. within Correct. the hospital network because information was confirmed to have been leaked and they came out and they held their hands up and said it happened. They, 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 they said it happened, but, it but again, they, they, they didn't necessarily say it was their fault. Okay, okay. Um, so should people be looking towards financial recompense from those that were supposed to be holding their information safely? I suppose like there's, there's an obligation. There, or is, a it, is it a risk that you will end up running up a huge legal bill that you'll have to pay yourself? Yeah, look, I suppose the first thing is that a data processor or a data controller, and uh, if you take one and four, they would have been a data controller and, and an ordinary Irish company with a data processor. They, they must be appropriate technical and organisational measures to, to make sure that there is a level of security appropriate to the risk. So that, that's what the legal requirement is, that if you have particularly personal private information, there should be good security. As your last speaker said, you know, some, some things need to be considered very carefully given the nature of it. More information isn't that important because it's just not that interesting yeah. to anyone. But, yeah. but, you know, if we take one and four as an example, there have been a lot of very, very personal private information and that information should have been kept safe and secure. Is there, a, look, any litigation has a risk associated with it. There's no, there's no point denying that. Um, at the same time, I think a lot of the, the breaches here are so, like if we take the HSE, a lot of it was, it was just the, the, the IT systems were not fit for purpose. Will any, will any judge criticise a litigant for bringing a case on, on foot of, of all the information and, and make an adverse order of costs? I don't know, is, is the answer to that. Was any of the information actually that was hacked, say for instance MTU or HSE, released so that everybody could see it? I mean, on, on Google itself, or, you know, was, that, was that ever determined? 
Well, certainly in the case of, of, of the Mercy Hospital, I think that is an example. We know some of that was put on the dark web and it could be accessed from the dark web. Right. Equally, MTU, I think there was a, the, the report said it was six gigabytes of data, which is a massive amount of, of, of data when you're not talking about videos or, or anything like that, uh, was released and that's on the dark web. So yeah, you won't find it on Google, but 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 it's not that terribly hard to find if you're going looking for it or if you have, if you have that intent. Mm. So something that would have been given... Um, privately released publicly could trigger a uh, 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 legal proceedings. Well, it could once once the information is gone out of the control of, of, of those that, that were supposed uh, to be of, controlling it. Yeah, they, 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 then then that triggers it. That 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 is the issue. It, it isn't. It isn't. And, and certainly the HSE have have at times tried tried to make the argument at it's fine. Yeah, we we lost it, but look, it doesn't look like the guys who stole the anything saw your grand. But that, 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 that's only, they're, they're, they're kind of idle words. They don't mean anything. Yeah, the psychological impact of it, of course, could affect them in many different ways. So are you, because it says here that you're inundated with queries in respect of the HSC data breach. Is that something you specialize in then? Well, look, we're, 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 uh, we're a normal law firm doing, 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 doing all, all kinds of work. I, I would have been working on... GDPR and data protection on on both sides of the fence, advising advising public bodies and 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 doing this work for for years. So so yeah, do I specialise? Yes, would be the answer to that. Because the more you it. think about it, actually, let's say for instance somebody's medical records were released and they're um, you know compromised. Um, somebody can Google. They say you go for a job or a job application where you know you mightn't want all of your medical records known. They just. They just can Google it because it's been it's been hacked now. That's hugely impactful, isn't it? That's just one example. Well, that's one example. Like we, we I, 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 I had one person who was very, very concerned because they had an extremely high power job, and the the company that that that, that the person was 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 operating was doing phenomenally well, and you know there was a medical history there that 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 person was terrified would come out there and would affect the company. You know, and it may not come out, but the fact that, that that it was, the fact that it had potentially been released, as potentially in the dark web, and potentially could be found, was was something that was. But could you could you sue fact. for fear of something happening, as opposed to something actually happening? Uh, like at the moment, the European courts are are, are discussing that issue. There's, there's a case that would be before the, the European Court of Justice, um, commonly called the Austrian po- Austrian Post case. And and the, the the European courts are slightly different to the Irish courts, where you have what's called an advocate general, who's a who's a judge in na- not in name but but in nature, who gives a kind of preliminary finding, and it's up to the court to decide to accept that or not. Now, sometimes they do, more times they don't. In that Austrian port, in that Austrian post case, the advocate general was of the view that a mere upset. Isn't enough. Isn't to recover. Okay. Isn't enough. Okay. Uh, you know, but but that you would want to be something more than just yeah, not being happy about it. Okay, but just just so. absolutely finally, you can't categorically say then that a hack can result in financial compensation. Yes, it's 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 not something it, you it can is. guarantee. Well. I, uh, I, I, I would say it's again it's very very hard to answer those questions absolutely categorical one way or the other but in, in general terms yes if there is a hack and if it causes loss or damage to someone 
they can sue and they will be successful. Yeah, but it isn't, no. doesn't necessarily have to be um, financial loss. It could be psychological impact. Exactly. Okay, that's exactly. all I need to know. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. all I need to know. Thanks for that. As always, Michael Michal, I should say, thanks for taking the call. Michal O'Dowd is owner and founder of O'Dowd Solicitors in Glanmire. And for more, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106, particularly... But not exclusively, if you've been hacked yourself. Text 0868104106. We're back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prenderville Show. And FM. Right across this week, I have tickets for Live at the Marquee to give away. I gave you the full lineup yesterday. Um, and uh, there will be more gigs added, I suppose. Uh, you never know. They keep on dropping new gigs. But for today, we got tickets for the Waterboys. And the gig is on the 18th day of June. Uh, some tickets to give away for Mike Scott and the Waterboys just before midday today. So stay listening for that. Text 0868104106. Back to calls in a couple of seconds. But I know I've been talking an awful lot about uh, artificial intelligence, chat GPT, um, you know, hacking, fraud, GDPR, accessing your data and what have you. Everything's available online at a price. Um, and Seamus did some amazing work there recently with criminals who are openly now selling uh, personal details on Facebook, Instagram uh, and Twitter. You can find lots of fraudulent sites now advertising all sorts of... Their, they, they're selling people's stolen identities. They're selling people's bank details. They're selling counterfeit money of any currency you can buy. Uh, you can get yourself a fake visa for any country. You can get yourself a, a driving license or even a fake passport. Not 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 just can, but we actually engaged with them recently. Uh, and Seamus was engaging online with an account on Facebook um, buying and selling and openly offering fake passports and driving licenses and also um, getting you a PPS number and a PPS card, HSE cards, anything you want, whatever you have in yourself. Uh, the account was said to be Dublin-based, but Seamus recently discovered then, while he was looking at this, that um, the person he believed uh, was based in the Cameroon. And they were using uh, social media for the initial contact, similar to, you can get you know, online drug deliveries now um, on the likes of Facebook. No problem with that either. You can get cocaine faster you can get a pizza uh, but he was directed to uh, by this counterfeiter to a UK number you know to communicate and then he started chatting back and forth on WhatsApp and he, he asked for a, Seamus asked for a US passport uh, and a driving license uh, the price for the passport was $800 and the driving license was $500 so then he asked for video evidence of the passport's quality uh, just to see what kind of quality it was. And all of those videos were sent on. He was asking questions as to whether it would pass airport security um, and things like that. Now, he checked then with security personnel and professionals to find out um, if the counterfeited passport would actually cut mustard and whether or not you would get into a country like America with it. Now, the visual inspections, he was told by somebody, uh, a security professional with 20 years experience in the aviation sector, said the passport looked realistic. It would probably get you through airport uh, security where they don't scan it. You probably would pass through, you know, the eye contact where they look at it and read it and what have you. Um, but the same can't be said uh, with regards to whether or not it was scanned by a computer. Um so it probably, though, would work very well as a form of ID um, for 
opening a bank account, for instance, um, or that fake passport probably could get you a social welfare number or a social services card. So they're just a couple of examples of, you know, what can be bought online and the cost of it, say, in and around €800 Euro for a passport and about €500 Euro and probably even less if we drill deeper for a driving license. So everything has a price on it. Text 0868104106 if you want to jump in on that. Yesterday's program, we were talking about drugs and the uh, Citizens' Assembly, uh, the battle on trying to um, shut down um, the drug empire and the drug network and the drug importation has failed. Um, it's a battle that will never be won. Uh, so some texts on that. Legalizing drugs is just another way of brushing problems under the carpet, Neil, for this government. If they just surrendered and legalized, it will be chaotic. There is no such thing as controlled drug use. If someone is taking drugs and it hits the spot, they will continue to use until their life is unmanageable and then the trouble will begin. It is mental. We need rehab centers and aftercare. It's hard enough keeping kids on the straight and narrow. And then you have these airheads trying to cause mayhem by legalizing drugs, sending love and understanding to anyone addicted. Morning. People should be allowed to buy cocaine if they can afford it. People's heads are fried from coke. Would they like people to go to the doctor or get surgery by a surgeon who's out of his head on coke because he can afford it, as your caller said? Uh, He listened to a few people's stories and now thinks legalize it is the way to go. People who believe this are insane. One final text. We have drink and drug driving. So we legalize drugs and everyone can drug and drive then. What kind of madness is this? Well, I suppose you would have the same drug level uh, for driving as you would have for drink driving, which is quite low as it is. And then we were talking, of course, some different topics over the last couple of days with regards to people who have gone into rehab and the different things that treatment is available for. Of course, drink is the number one in rehab. But one of the lads yesterday was suggesting that it's firstly drink, um, followed then by gambling, followed then by drugs, and followed then, interestingly, by eating disorders. So just with regards to uh, gambling, I want to chat to Ken. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. And I have some screen grabs. Are these screen grabs of your own betting account with Bet365, is it? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. So, so tell us the story behind that. Uh, well, I tell you, Neil, um, I, I, I'm with Bet365, uh, I suppose, two or three years. I'm, I'm not a big better. I'd have a bet here or a bet there bit of soccer or a bit of horses, whatever, you know. Yeah. But uh, recently there, about maybe six or seven weeks ago, I was I, I, I was looking at dogs and took a bit of interest and started doing a bit of studying and then taking a bit of interest in it. And I put some money into my account and I started backing a few winners, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, between the jigs and the reels, after a couple of weeks, I was having a few good nights and the money I had in my account, I was betting away with whatever I put in, I'd put in. And I was after building up a bit of a stash, so I was betting away. And um, all of a sudden, uh, I, after about two weeks of it, I'd go in to have a bet on a greyhound, and next thing, um, it would come up my account that so much of my bet has gone away for approval. Right? right. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and he said, oh, that's the start of it. No, because you're winning, they're watching you. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, they're watching you because you're winning. So what'll happen now, every time you have a bet, and it started happening, we go away for approval. He said... You mark my words, you'll get a message now someday. So about three or four weeks into it, I, 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 was having, uh, I was having more winners than I was having losers. Neil, you know, it was going great. And uh, I got that message uh, saying that after careful consideration, um, 
that they were taking the cash out facility away from me on greyhound racing. And then they gave me some facilities because they were concerned about my gambling. Now, I'd never heard from Bet365 in all the years I was with them. You know, and I wasn't winning money, I wasn't losing the whole pile, but they were never concerned about my gambling, Neil. And so you're saying winning. just because you started a win, they're now they're sending concerned. you a link for responsible gambling um, yes. and an independent charity um, that may be able to help you if you have gambling-related issues. Exactly, exactly, Neil. And, and, and plus the fact they've taken a facility they offer on their site away from me, which I was told by another friend I was talking to, he said, that's the start of it. He said, the next thing they'll do is, and it happened to me last night, you'll go to have a bet and they'll send off some of the bet for approval and they won't allow you to have what you want to have on the bet. So if I wanted to have 100 euros on the dog, it came back to me I could only have 50. And you're sure you weren't, you're sure you weren't, you didn't trigger something that you were literally gambling too much, no? No, Neil, no, no, no. I mean, my, my account, as I said, people who know me will know that anyhow. Like, I'm... I'm no, I'm a, a small betting man. Like you know, I, I'd have an odd win and losses. I've never had any any problems um, with gambling. As I said, it's just uh, there's there's been money going into my account and winnings the last couple of weeks, so, and all of a sudden they've earmarked me to be watched. And as I said, I spoke to people who this has happened to, and they said that this was ultimately what would happen, and it did. Do and they have some kind of an algorithm or a system within online gambling companies where? something gets triggered if you're winning more than you're losing. Therefore, they're losing more than they're winning. Do you follow me? Well, that, that's what it seems to be, Neil. It seems to be, like, like as I said, the, the, the gambling companies are great at advertising responsible gambling, Neil, you know? But they actually want irresponsible gambling because what I've been doing the last few weeks has been responsible gambling. I put a set amount into my account. I don't know if it was at 100 euros or something. And I haven't put any more in since. And I've been gambling and winning. So I'm gambling with their money. So, yeah. in my eyes, that's perfectly responsible gambling. But did you go back to them and ask them why they made that decision, see if you could make sense of it? Uh, I didn't, actually, because I, I wouldn't even know how to contact them, because I've never had any contact with them. That's the point I'm making, you know? Yeah. I've been I've been with that bit, 365. They've never contacted me, you know? And, like, if I, I've had weeks, like, Cheltenham would be one now that I'd bet at, and I might have a couple of hundred quid in a week at Cheltenham. And I've lost this. And I've never got a message off him, you know, Gas, worried about yeah, my gambling. when you were winning. You know, um, I, don't want to dr- I, I don't want to drill into it too much in the times that we live in because I want to be putting thoughts into people's heads. But before you started concentrating on greyhounds, did you know one side of a greyhound, the front end from the back end? Well, I, 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 I wouldn't be that knowledgeable, um, Neil, but I would have been knowledgeable enough in, in racing terms and looking at farm and stuff, you know. So you really, you, you started to really research Greyhound yeah, I, I done, done done a bit of study in that, like you know, and and and, and from what I gather, that that's the kind of people that the betting companies don't want, Neil. You know, yeah. there's probably loads more people out there who might contact you about this now as well, because as I said in a text I sent you yesterday, like it seems to be the attitude, like winners aren't welcome, losers are welcome. But do and, do and the online betting companies? Because I've heard in the past that if you if you've been betting with them and you stop or you slow down. Do they not start encouraging you to, to, to gamble more and to offer you, um, you know... Free bets. You get free, free bets. bets. Neil, you get free... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, again, I had a couple of friends and, and they were gambling a lot and they stopped. And if you stop for a few days and there's no activity in your account, you can guarantee there'll be free bets put into your account. Do you know? Yeah. That's, the, that's the system. And the more, the, if, the more you're losing, the bigger the free bets you get, you know? Can you, can you click a link saying, don't contact me... I've developed an issue here. 
I want to step away. Well, they they have facilities there, yeah, where you can you can get yourself off off um, off site. I believe, yeah. I've, I, as I said, I've never used the rattan, but I think there is um, you can you can bear yourself from sites, you know. Because there was a case in the UK last year where a young man did just that, but still found himself bombarded and attracted back. He ultimately then sadly went on to well, to take his own life. Yeah, well, uh, it's it, it been there as I, as I said, your researcher there, like there was someone very close to me had um, a gambling addiction for many years and thank God he, he sorted himself out late in his life. But like he lost a lot, a lot of money gambling and he never had any betting company approach him with concerns about his gambling. You know, and it just hit me. That's why it affected me so much that I thought, hang on, I'm just after winning a few, Bob, and all of a sudden they're concerned about my gambling. Yeah, no, they're concerned about their profits. Yeah, yeah. 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 they're they're concerned because I'm winning, um, Neil. That's the point I'm trying to get across. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, we're just having the chance. I'm also just wondering whether or not somebody who goes into an actual betting shop uh, too often or is losing huge amounts of money, would the people in the betting shop ever pull somebody inside and say, listen, we think we've got, you know, you've got you've got issues here, and we, you know, we think you're gambling too much, and you need help. Can we can we do anything well, to help you? Um, I, I haven't heard of that. No, to be honest with you, but I do know. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I, I read um, the book Tony Ten. I only read that a couple of months ago. I don't know if you know the story. It's about the post office man in in Carlo. No. Who? Yeah. He. Well, it's a great read if you ever get a chance to read it. Neil, like it's a frightening read actually. He, he he works in the post office in Carlow. He he actually ended up in prison for two years. He he put ten and a half million deposit into uh, into an online bank uh, online betting account over years. He and he ended up robbing the post office to pay for it. God. And nobody ever flagged him. Nobody ever like they, 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 it says in the book like he lived in an ordinary house, had an ordinary job, and no one ever questioned where was he getting ten and a half million like. Oh my God! You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a great read if you ever read it because he's actually a counselor. Is that a guy called Tony O'Reilly? I think that's his second name. Tony Ten is the book because that was his name. I think I may have spoken to him on air a couple of years ago. Now that you mention it, the book. I must get the book. I must get the yeah, book. Yeah. Like, it's just a, before, it's before it's I leave you, yeah. I know I'm talking to my late great friend, the late Jim McKeown. He was a great man for a gamble and a flutter and he did quite well, but he studied the form very much like you, right? But yeah. Jim, Jim, a lot of the time, used to bet on lower league soccer, way down the leagues in, in England, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he he was he was very successful in that, but so much so that at one stage in his life, he used to tell me regularly of all of the betting shops in Cork that he was barred from because they literally wouldn't take his money anymore. Yeah, because he was winning too much. Yeah, that's the point. Like, I mean, that's what that's what gets me, Neil. It's like I don't get the legality of it, and I don't know why the government haven't looked at this. Like they offer a service, but then they can refuse the service to somebody that's good at it. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's it all about no profit. Sense. Yeah, all about profit. Yeah, you know, you know, and right. as I said, as I said, they took one of their facilities away from me already, and I imagine they'll probably take more. No, you know, as I said, which, which, like. It makes no sense. It, it's, it's a bit discrimination, really. You know what I mean? Stay in touch. Let us know what happens next. Thanks, Ken. Cheers for no now. No problem, Take care. Bye-bye. Text 0868 104 106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. On the data breaches and the hacking, it sounds like this hack is linked to the HSC hack. And I'm sure the same info was in the hands of the HSC as well. Well, I don't know because somebody's actually asking that question, Neil. Um, 
Could I ask Neil, have all of the Cork HSE organizations who help sexual abuse victims been hacked? The answer to that is, I don't know anything in that regard. What I do know is about one in four and other organizations who did help people who, say, in the case of, um, of Bernard O'Hare, were the victim of a paedophile uh, teacher. Uh, but how much of that information would have been held by the HSE or shared? I would have thought none, um, but I, I can't say categorically. Um, and another one, Mag says, literally just got a letter in the door to say my daughter's information was compromised during the HSE hack. Unfortunate, for sure, but certainly we won't be after compensation. And then a postie, person what delivers the post, says uh, we're on our fourth lot of letters informing people that their data was hacked in the HSE attack. Only this morning the letters going out are for the attention of the parents and guardians of children whose files have been hacked, uh, says Posty by text to 0868 104 106. So certainly uh, this is a problem that's just going from bad uh, to worse. Uh, many different texts on different topics which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But story they want to revisit because we dealt with it on Friday it was ahead of the Grand National and the Aintree race meeting um, because I was chatting on the air at the time with Orla Coughlin who is with Animal Rising about the proposed uh, rally and protest uh, which happened, it did happen and scores of act- activists climbed the fences at Aintree um, and at least two of them um, fixing themselves to a jump using glue and lock-on devices uh, and that then of course because it was it was planned but it had been leaked so you know entry officials knew security knew and police knew but I just wanted to check back in again with Orla after Saturday's event she joins me by phone Orla good morning Hi good morning thanks for having uh, me Not at all how how would you how would you sum- summarize what happened on on Saturday afternoon would would Animal Rising regard it as a success Absolutely. Um, so what what happened is uh, I think it was 118 people um, attempted to get onto the racetrack. Several did, um, and the race was delayed for some 15 minutes or so. And although we didn't manage to stop the race altogether, and unfortunately um, a horse hill 16 did die in that race, what we did manage to do for those 15 or so minutes was really create a public conversation and we know that in the pause you know there were families all across the country there were friends in the pub having these crucial conversations about the way that we that we're treating animals um in, in this industry right okay I, I have to point out to you that the um the trainer of hill 16 sandy thompson said it was the ignorant protesters that caused the death of the horse hill 16 how would you respond to that yeah, I'm not aware, um, and I, I've spoken to um, Sandy in interview as well, and offered my condolences to him. I'm sure he's uh, grieving for the horse that no doubtedly um, he cares about. But I think that any ordinary person can see that the death of this horse was a complete industry uh, in line with the industry statistics. You know, four horses died last year, three died over the weekend, and. I guess Animal Rising is taking absolutely no part in that blame. If there were concerns about um, Hill 16 before the race, it would have been the responsibility of the jockey and trainers um, to pull that horse from the race if there were concerns. But we know that in 2019, um, another horse up for review died at that, that same first jump. So it's really nothing out of the ordinary for the industry. Mm. Well, we know of Hill 16, right? We also know that the horse Dark Raven died earlier on Saturday and Envoy Special died on the Thursday. Uh, two other horses fell at the Grand National and were taken away in horse ambulances 
and yet another horse, another faller called Castle Robin. Um, the um, injuries to that horse remain unknown. Um, just, just, just back though to what you're saying about Hill 16. They say that horses can be, you know, quite temperamental and, and very nervous animals. You'd agree, you'd agree with that, yeah. So any Absolutely. any any unsettling any unsettling of their mood or how they're feeling because they know that they're about to race uh, creates creates anxiety and they're saying that that anxiety um, led to disquiet um, and uh, that's what caused the death of the creature you know um, that the horse in reality died because you guys were on the track. I just think I think it's frankly quite scandalous, you know, that that um, either Sandy or the British Horse Racing Association is trying to deflect any of the blame for what is actually par for this course. Um, you know, if if there was concerns, as I said, that, about the horses being skittish, frankly, they're probably all skittish. They, you know, they're being forced to run in front of millions of people, um, you know, whipped to the finish line. <laughs> I don't know. I I think it's like. Let's have a, yeah. Let me just have a listen. Yeah. Let people have a listen to what Sandy Thompson said on ITV mm. News. Have a listen to this. Well, I'm absolutely mm. furious about what they've done because they've used an event um, to further their cause um, and they've had no thought of the welfare of the horses. The protesters would say that they were there because horse racing regularly has horses die. That, 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 that is true. Um, we, we can't get away from that. In the last nine years, there have been an average of, of one or two um, fallers at the first and second fence, and, and this year there was eight. So, you know, the statistics show that, that, that yeah, something was very different, and, and that was the difference. You see, the statistics he's quoting there that eight fell at the first fence, um, because of, um, you know, the skittishness, as you refer to it. No, you wouldn't accept that? Absolutely not. And I think it's the responsibility of the British Horse Racing Association to stop the race if they felt that the horses were skittish going into the race. Mm. I think it's terrific that they didn't stop the race. We were trying to stop the race. And if we had, I'd like to point out that Hill 16 would still be alive. And that's really the horror of this this industry. Um, What actually happened on Saturday afternoon? Because there were arrests, weren't there? Were you amongst them? Um, I wasn't amongst them. I was doing spokesperson work, so in studio interviews. Um, and there was 118 people who were arrested. Um, so really, really massive. Um, and there was also another 100 people who were protesting at the front gates as well. So, um, um, yeah, 250 or so people. So, the, But the vast majority didn't manage to access the course. Is, is that right? Because it was preempted. It was known that this was going to happen. Is that what happened? Yeah, exactly. So the, the police presence was absolutely massive. The private security presence was massive. Um, and there's just been a, a real, I guess, backlash on our peaceful activists you know, who were attempting to get onto the track. Um, we had someone who was bitten by a dog. We had someone whose collarbone has been broken. Um, activists were pepper sprayed um, and yeah, had to go to hospital with multiple activists in hospital. Mm-hmm. I guess that all, all, all of that happened because they didn't want you accessing the course for your own safety, the safety of the jockeys and the safety of the horses, right? We're accessing the race um, kind of 20 to 15 minutes before the horses even were brought to the, the start line. Yeah. So there was absolutely no risk of us, you know, running onto the track while horses were racing. We made that very clear before the protest. Yeah. What I think was really happening here is immense amount of police resources were 
pushed out to protect this um, this industry, not only the horse racing industry, but the gambling industry, which have, you know, as you know, an immense amount of money. Yeah, yeah. But it's that's it's not illegal horse racing, nor is gambling. No, and exactly. Neither neither is peaceful protest. And I guess what we were trying to do is to really raise awareness about the fact that every other day a horse is dying. Um, and I think pe- you know peaceful protest is an important part of democracy. Which is yeah, what no, I, I know. But I, listen, it's not for me to say. It's just the Merseyside police mm. said it was criminal behaviour and disorder and it won't be tolerated and we'll be dealt with robustly. Th- this probably helps the cause though, doesn't it? Well, the support for what we did has been absolutely immense that people like Brian May you know making videos in support of us um, and, and a, a YouGov poll for, from um, in, in the UK has shown most of the general public agree that the that the national is a cruel um, event so yeah the support has been overwhelming what would make it better are you saying it needs to be abolished or there needs to be less horses the one thing I noticed about the Grand National I don't know whether it's getting smaller but Certainly back in the day, there was an awful lot of horses, like too many. Mm. Well, we know there was 40 horses racing in that last race, which frankly is absolutely insane. Um, what we would really like to see is just a moving away from using animals for entertainment. Um, and I know there's you know, every year talk at the Grand National of, oh, we're improving things. And this year they, they painted the fences um, from the paint them white instead of orange. And we know three horses still died. So I really think this is just the industry trying um, to cover up the the facts of it. Um, And so we really need to move away from using animals for entertainment. And also what we're trying to do is create a public conversation about the way we treat animals, not only for entertainment, but also in our food systems, as I spoke to you about the other day. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And it is important to have the conversation because the RSPCA have come out and said that my impression from the RSPCA is that they would be happy with fewer horses and whips to be prohibited completely. You want to go much further than that, though. You want to just anything to do with sport or entertainment involving animals should be banned. Absolutely. I think it's 2023, you know, and I know things like, you know, fox hunting are still going on in Ireland. But I think that most of the general public think that it's, it's really horrific to be using animals in this way. We're a nation of animal lovers in Ireland. But I know and loads I just, of animal lovers who absolutely adore animals, but they had a flutter in the Grand National and they had a flutter in the Gold Cup. Absolutely, and I think most people who really love animals are also watching these events and going to these events. The question that we're trying to raise is, if we really love animals, then... Why are we exploiting this way? Our actions are not really aligning with our values. I think what we really need to do as a society, if we want to fix this relationship, is find a way where we can love animals that doesn't exploit them and doesn't harm them. Because we really don't have that at the moment. Okay, Okay. so there will be, um, there's a a police investigation that possibly could lead to court appearances next. Is that it? Yes, exactly. So I think um, of the 118 people who were arrested, I think some 40 of them um, were de-arrested. And de-arrested? The others, yes, so they were let go without, um, okay. I guess, being... Thank you. Being, I just hadn't yeah. heard that term before. Do you... Do you mm-hmm. do, but some will... Some were not de-arrested, though. They remain still arrested. Yes. Okay. Yes, and so they were released... Um, no one has been charged, but they were released under investigation, and um, which needs to be a police investigation into what happened. And um, I guess we all wait to see see the outcome of that. But everyone who participated in this action did that in full awareness of this process, 
and willing to accept the consequences of potentially having a criminal record because they okay. believe it's absolutely the right thing to do. Okay. Oh, no, I encourage your convictions. I get that. I mean, here, back home, here at home, your hometown, Cork, of course, uh, we've had mm-hmm. people who have protested at coursing meetings. We have had people um, who love animals protesting at the dog track, for instance. Um, yes. Do, do, you, do you plan any Irish events, I wonder? Oh, that's a really good question. You never know. I think you have to keep your eyes, eyes peeled. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, okay. We'll keep our eyes peeled. You hold hold on if you wish. Uh, just Mick, Mick has a question here for me. He's asked me, why would I give airtime air to somebody who commits crimes? Is that what you're saying, Mick? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. What, what, what do you mean by that? Commits crimes. They're, they, no. they, they, they believe no, it was a peaceful protest. It wasn't very peaceful for what I saw. What? <laughs> it wasn't very peaceful for what I saw. I mean, the, the, the community that live around about the area came out to help the police because of what these people were doing breaking fences and jumping onto courses and, and, and basically as I said to you earlier on I don't it actually did it, you can't blame Hill 16's death on them but indirectly they didn't help it these horses are finely tuned they're ready to go they go, they go through their routine and they go out and do it but then and the trainers and the owners and the marshals should know that because of what happened, these horses should not be run. They're highly tuned. Yes. They're out of sorts. Yes. Stop the race. Yes, correct. But they didn't. But, but no, so they who's didn't. responsible but, then? But, but the, the fact that somebody who committed a crime comes on and starts telling, putting the blame on somebody else. I'm not saying what the, the owner's done was right. Maybe they should have seen it. and Maybe they should have took them out. And maybe they should have... But hindsight's a wonderful thing. The, the, the peaceful protest wasn't very peaceful. Um, well, they didn't attack anybody. They didn't arrive with any weaponry. Um, they wanted to get onto the track to promote animal welfare and cruelty in a race where horses die every year. Uh, what's so wrong with that? Um, what's, what's right with what they've done? They could have protested the way they were saying they were going to protest and got it across. Now, I'm not saying, I, I've, not, I've not said whether it's right or wrong that the, the Grand National should be wrong. You don't, you don't know my opinion, right, on that. What I'm saying is people who commit crime now get to come on the radio and say, well, this is why we're doing this, this is why we're doing that. But should they're, entitled, they're entitled to come on air and talk uh, about their beliefs and their passions. So, I mean, so I, I, would be entitled, I would be entitled to go and protest outside somebody's work or bully somebody or, or do something and, and upset somebody and yeah and yeah I, well, I, well, I had protesters outside uh, a GP's surgical business yesterday that engages in um, abortion and terminations. Um, they they and were on the, the air. You don't you don't have to agree with what were, they're were doing. They, were they breaking Were they breaking into the place? Breaking in. Now, that, that is interesting. Breaking in, yeah. Well, that's what they've done. They broke into the entry race course. They broke into the entry race course. That's why they were arrested. <laughs> that's exactly why they were arrested, because they broke in. Mm. Whether they break into a shop, a bank, or, or, or property, or land, it's breaking in. Mm. Would, you accept that, would you accept that a crime was committed in that regard, Orla? Well, we would view it as protecting the animals. I just like to maybe pull an analogy. So, if 
if I broke into your house in the middle of the night and dragged you out of, out of bed onto the street, you know, we would say that was a crime. If your house was on fire and I did the exact same thing, we would say that was proportionate to what Don't happened. Don't talk rubbish, um, Nola. Honest, honestly, that's... that's I'm sorry that you think that. I'm really sorry that you think that. If you broke, really if you broke that. into my house, I'd probably take a heart attack, right? You might do, but if your house is on fire and I saved your life, then, you know, I think that would be... The analogy she's making is, the analogy she's making is that this this trespass is to save the lives of horses. You call that tripe. No, no, I don't put words in my mouth. What she's saying there, if I broke into your house, it would be a crime, but then again, if your house was on fire, don't talk rubbish. They broke in to entry race course. That's That's why they were arrested. Right. They broke into Aintree Racecourse because we know yes. that every single year that that race is run, horses die. But that doesn't... No, 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 it, that's, the, that's a fact. No. So you're, you, you're obviously on one side. No, I'm not. You actually, I'm not, on, I'm not on either side. Yeah. It, is my, it yeah. is my job to yeah, navigate yeah. through did, the conversation. Did the break-in, did the break-in, did they the commit a crime? Was a crime committed? Yes. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. You've given airtime to people who are committing crimes. That's fine. I don't understand how you're doing it. Right? They could have had a peaceful protest at the front, at the front of the, the front of the gates, which they said they were going to do, and people would have listened. People would listen more and stand up and take heed if you'd done it correctly. Okay. Right? Let Let Orla respond to that because she wishes to, and I'll move on. Then go ahead. I'd just like to say that we've been outside the gates um, of the Grand National for years. Every year, people are outside the gates, and the perspective that we're coming from is that historically um, direct action and disruptive protests like this has been an incredibly important part of democracy and progressing society. So when we look at things like the suffragette movement, the civil rights movement, these kind of tactics were used all of the time to create really huge change because if we don't disrupt the business as usual, business as usual will carry on. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And that's nice to go and go and protest if you believe in something. That's great. I'm all for it. But to commit a crime to get your protest across, it's not on. You think that you think that should be allowed? Well, absolutely. Uh, 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 I think if the law doesn't protect the vulnerable, right, so for example, the, law in the animals, if the law doesn't protect. No, I don't. Yes, think so. I think that is acceptable. I think morally, we all need to look at at um, how we're living and and. Reevaluate, and the only way to bring this into the public eye, as I said, you've signed the gate. Yeah, that could no, but you're advocating that the others others should engage in that type of disruption where laws are broken and criminality is uh, is a result. Now, that could lead to complete chaos. Well, I think when we are facing things, like for example, this huge climate crisis that we're facing, and the government are absolutely absolutely doing nothing to protect the people. If we don't create disruption in society. We're going to end up with no society very quickly. And so things like the civil rights movement, the suffragette movement, create a huge disruption. Yeah, but, you, but are you are you advocating that people should the engage in criminality that hurts people, um, that leads to uh, injury, that leads to the defacement of public buildings or the burning of places? I mean, where do you draw the line? Well, protest, all oh, our protest is completely peaceful. We are a completely nonviolent movement, and that's where we draw yeah, the line. That's, that's, that's where everyone should so draw the you, line. You're talking, you're talking away there, Ola, and, and you can't say that because you seem, did you not see it on the television? You were there. You were part of it. 
You've seen them destroying Absolutely. And so it was completely right. nonviolent. Uh, right. And, right. I think and so, so, so if, the, if the law, if you don't like the law, just take the law into your own hands. Let me, let me explain something. Was there not a protest with the old age pensions here a few years ago? There was. Some chat, right? Yeah. I didn't see any violence coming for them. And. There was no violence yesterday. And they changed. Oh, and they changed. And they changed the law again and reversed the decision they made. The, the there was no violence yesterday. I'm really not sure treat. what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh no no! You wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even. Know. Well, there was no, there was no, there was no violence. There may have been no. trespass, and there may have been criminal. But walking up, this, walking up, this, there was no violence where that entry. Uh, entry. Are you Neil, did you watch it? Uh, yeah, and I'm actually looking at it again now. How do you determine so as being the, violence? The, the, the police, the police didn't have to make contact. The guards didn't have to make ah, contact. That's not the type of violence I'm referring. I mean, obviously, the guard, the police got involved, and then people were arrested and taken away. Um, but I don't see that there was any violent intent on behalf of... A, a little bit of violence, okay. And a little bit breaking the law. If the law doesn't suit you, you change the <laughs> law on your own. This is what she's saying. All right, okay. All right, okay, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Jim, let, let Jim jump in. Jim, good morning. How are you, boy? Just, just a quick comment there for that lady there, you know, that... You know, that people like this just go and for the glamour of it, going to these big show days and doing. No, it. they I love they love it. animals and they want to prevent cruelty yeah, yeah. and death of the grand oh, yeah. national. Just the glamour of it. You wouldn't see her above there with the horse and the long acre there, who's starving, or the sulkies been driven up the road with big fat fellas and the sulkies driving them on. She wouldn't be attacking them because she'd be a scare. There's no glamour on that for. If she really wants to save horses and animals, come to Cork down and save the ones that are dying in fields here. That our ethnic community are just abandoning. Tell her to take take that on. I don't think that you, I don't think you'd find that any less cruel, would you? No, absolutely not. And what we're trying to do is have a public conversation about the way we're treating animals to improve as a, as a society. Not just limited to the Grand National. You're talking about in all absolutely. aspects. Yeah. Does that answer? Well, I said, let, let, let me know so the next day she's going to stop some sulky coming up the road, or she has a problem with a horse, and never put her time into that. Nobody will see her do it. But at least I have to be in the right place. We all know being cruel to horses is wrong. But by God, you know the horses that are in the Grand National and people are out doing dressage. Those horses are treated so well. Well, why do so they? Well. Why, if they're treated so well, why do horses die in that race every year? Listen, they Listen, everybody. Why do they use whips? Why do they use whips on the horses? It's called livestock and, and dead stock in the farming community. Need I presume that is that girl have a chicken or, or fish or what does she eat? Vegan. And we can go right down to that debate again. Just loads of oil used in our clothes, you know. Just, you know, did, did, she's not walking around nude, is she? I know. Be dumb, like, I bet you she's driving a car. She's the only picking shoes. She, like, Orla's vegan. And what? How many animals died to make her uh, breakfast? Just to turn so many worms and birds are killed and nesting birds are killed to turn the side so she can eat properly. Don't, not up to me to be responding to every question that you put to Arla, but she's vegan. Oh, but of she, course, she, of course. Where does she think our food comes from? I can answer that one. Yeah, go ahead. But she has the answer, because she's had to be asked a thousand times. Let her answer well, the question then. Well, I, I think the question is um, about the animals that die in a plant-based diet, which they do. We know animals die in, in the field for crops. But we know that of all of the um, crops produced in the world, half of them go to feed livestock. So if you move away to a plant-based diet, you not only eat less animals, but you also, we, we would produce half the amount of crops. So you actually reduce 
that's that side as well. Yeah, I mean, vegan vegan and vegetarian diets also impact on the climate. You know that, don't you, with the amount of land that's needed to um, to grow and to um, um, water plant-based diets. You're aware of that. I don't have to tell you that. So there's consequences well, on both sides. Well, i just like to point out that the largest study ever done, most comprehensive study ever done on food systems, was from the Oxford um, University, from a man Joseph Poor. Okay. He basically studied thousands of different food types, and the analysis was incredibly conclusive that meat and dairy and animal products are thousands of times more damaging to the, um, the climate than plant-based food. Okay, so but... All right, fair play. Uh, that's a good response. But Jim is saying that you would take something and you would go and demonstrate at the Grand National because it's a it's a fairly prestigious event that you wouldn't be taken on sulky racers or you wouldn't go to Buttevant Horse Fair or things like that. you know what I mean? Absolutely. The reason that we were targeting the Grand National, we know that the issue is with racing in general, but the reason we were at the Grand National is because the death rate is so high and because it's publicly televised and watched by millions of people. The reason she doesn't go up after the sulkies is because she'd be afraid of the the outcome. And it's the same as people with the church. You can listen as well. They they checked the the Catholic Church, but you wouldn't see them outside a Muslim heart. It's the same group of people. Once there's a threat to them, they're gone. Norla, finally, because I'll move on. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it's madness, but, you know, 600 million people are watching the Grand National. That's why we're protesting at it, because it shouldn't be, you know, this huge public entertainment event. We know if we do it uh, at the Grand National, we can have the big public conversation. We've had, you know, 50-something interviews trying to have a public conversation. If we were down at small events, it wouldn't reach as many people. That's, that's and we get some more thoughts on this by text and call. Appreciate you both. Thank you to Orla Coughlin from Animal Rising, to Jim and to Mick. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. I see one already, uh, one or two already. She's a breath of fresh air to listen to. Orla, another one. Sorry, can't listen to a radio station that supports criminals. Your presenter is a disgrace, but what uh, what won't you expect? I'm quite sure what you meant to, tape, to actually type was. What can you expect, but forgive me for correcting your grammar. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106 Red FM. And another few texts this side of 11 with regards to um, legislation around um, legalization of drugs and what have you. Legalizing drugs totally undermines the work of Angarda Shikana, full stop. One or two more. We banned smoking indoors because it was a health issue, so now we want to legalize drugs that destroy your head Seriously, why are we having this conversation? Well, it's not so much that we're having it. Well, I suppose we are, but it's something that's been discussed at the Citizens' Assembly. How else do you tackle um, drug dealers and drug cartels on a huge level internationally? Uh, One or two more. I remember talking to an Irish Navy officer a few years ago. He said it was common knowledge that drugs are coming in on foreign trawlers packed in iced fish crates and transported from Spain and Portugal. Uh, twice this week now, there have been huge bales of cocaine discovered at sea. Um, I'm thinking it was uh, one of them was in the Atlantic and I think another one then somewhere down off, somewhere I think Spain and then a third one there last month down around Australia. Massive bales of them. You're talking about hundreds of millions of euro or dollars worth of cocaine literally floating on the water with a tracking device on them. These huge big um, tra- trawlers and massive big cargo ships are those on board them they throw them into the sea with a tracker device and then the dealers or the smugglers or the, those importing it come out to sea and they um, you know, track down the, the bales of cocaine 
by using uh, GPS on the tracker device. Uh, the four 13 and 14 year olds that took their parents' car out last week in Galway, where two were killed, um, shows where we are as a society. And now we want to legalize drugs for these young people as well. What the hell's going on? Uh, the junkies and the illegal drug users all turn it around to alcohol because they need something to blame for their initial stupidity. Well, I think many would regard that as uh, quite a hurtful text because uh, you got to walk in someone's shoes, don't you? Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818. We're back. 0818104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. Uh, today being Tuesday, we have uh, more tickets to give away for Live with the Marquee gigs across the summer this morning is Waterboys. Mike Scott and the Waterboys play the marquee on June 18th. They'll open the phone lines just before midday today for tickets for the Waterboys live at the marquee. Tomorrow it will be Tommy Tiernan, Thursday Ollie Murs and Friday Bell X1. And hopefully in the weeks to come we'll have even more tickets to give away. My apologies, I <coughs> didn't get an opportunity to read out this um, this plea for help or a cry from the heart. Let me do it now because it's important. Um, it says, Hello Neil, my beloved husband passed away six weeks ago after a short illness. It's very sad news. Sorry to hear that. To say that I'm devastated is an understatement. When I went to register his death in town, I had our two-year-old with me and I gave her my charm bracelet to quieten her for a moment. Unfortunately, I forgot about it and lost it. My husband gave me the bracelet and it has huge sentimental value to me. I know it's only a thing, but he gave me the charms over our wonderful years together and I would really love to get it back somehow. I would happily offer a substantial cash reward if anyone was kind enough to get it back to me. It's a silver Lynx of London Sweetie bracelet with many beautiful charms. If you could mention it on your show, I would be most grateful. Thank you so much. As I say, last seen when she gave it to her two-year-old in the births, deaths and marriages office on Adelaide Street, off the North Main Street in Adelaide Street. She did go back to them, but they don't have it. It wasn't handed in. She's too upset to come on air because uh, obviously uh, it's a devastating thing to happen. And that's why she says, you know, with her husband only passing away six weeks ago, She's devastated at the loss of her loved one, obviously, and her, her life partner. But this on top of it is just awfully hard to bear. And I imagine just thinking myself that with this charm bracelet, the love of your husband was shown to you by him buying extra charms for it that you would add to the bracelet over the years. Uh, and so it is very, very special to you. So if anybody knows of its whereabouts or if you have it or you don't know what to do with it or you found it, would you ever give us a bell here? Uh, either pick up the phone on 0818104106 or text 0868104106 if you have it or you know where it might be and we can get it back to this dear lady because it's very, very important to her. Obviously, sentimentally very important. Uh, and it's a link to her husband who is no longer with her. He's in spirit, uh, but sadly not in person. So text 0868104106 if you can help. Neil Prendamil, Gold Imro Award winner for Speech Broadcaster of the Year, Cork's Red FM. Massive response, I mean massive amount of text actually following my conversation with Orla and others before 11 regarding uh, the cruelty to animals, particularly the horse racing industry and honing in on the Grand National on Saturday. 
Uh, and I will get to those texts, I promise you. But I just want to bring in Martina Kenny from My Lovely Horse. She's one of the co-founders of My Lovely Horse. Martina, good morning. So, while, can you hear me all right? Let me get my phone lines. While, while, you, while, while you don't wish to get involved in the entry issue, right? I, I appreciate that. I'll park that. But talk to me about horse fairs because that came up in the conversation before 11. You know, it's all very well to go to the glamour events like Aintree. What's the problem with horse fairs? Hi there. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Martina. Hi, yes. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, no, like, look, there's good and bad in every industry. I will absolutely agree. Um, horse fairs, um, summer is coming. There's going to be a lot of horse fairs around Ireland. By the end of the summer, we're going to have a balanced slow horse fair. And and these are the places where there's so much cruelty. I mean, closer to home to us would be Buttevant, incidentally, Martina, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, basically, it's 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 kids, uh, adults buying, selling horses that are not even chipped most of the time. You know, so it's illegally really buying and selling. Um, it, it isn't policed in any way. Um, it needs to be. Oh, you still there? No. No, gone. Okay, we'll come back to it in a few minutes' time. I'll tell you what I will do. I'll drill into the texts that have been coming in so far. Uh, you should not allow extreme, well, let me just say, extreme individuals on the radio, the likes of Animal Rising. Fair enough. Orla and her lot were a disgrace on Saturday. If anything, they upset the horses more than any race could. Shameful carry-on, says Mags. How does your speaker believe it was a good outcome when a horse has died triggered by their chanting? Protests need to be analysed better. Get in there before the horses are lined up. Um, another person just saying, get all protesters off air. So the end justifies the mean. Any means, anything for publicity, uh, like people at the snooker yesterday. Yeah, there was somebody jumped up on one of the tables with some kind of dye or what have you. Absolutely disgraceful behaviour by a bunch of nutters interfering with people's rights to race horses that they own and look after. Why in the hell do you give these fools airtime? Obviously, it only, it's only to stir rubbish as usual and you don't even challenge them. Is it because you agree with them? Ah, oh, man, I don't know what you're on about. Don't challenge them. I mean, go back and listen to it again. How arrogant can a person be when she claims she knows what an animal thinks? Please call her out on this. If Animal Rising have such issues with horse welfare, how come we never see them protesting at halting sites against the appalling conditions horses are kept in or against sulky racing? It's one of the points Jim was making before 11. This was not a peaceful protest. Their behaviour was criminal. I'm all for animal welfare, but call a spade a spade, please. Uh, and Bobby says, what are, what are we to do with the 15,000 thoroughbreds? Who look after them if the industry is dumped in the bin? I admit the young people have conviction, but do your research on this. If the industry dies... So will the animals, says Bobby. It is absolutely deluded. I'll jump back in with more of those texts in a few minutes. Time. Martina, you're back again. I am. Sorry okay. about that. That's all right. That's not your fault at all. So we were talking and honing in, say, for instance, on um, the likes of Ballinus Low or Closer to Home Buttevant horse fairs. Yeah. Yeah. So well, horse fairs in general, I guess. Yeah. Um, there, there's, a, there's a lot of them going around. There's a lot happening now coming towards the summer, especially. Um, and, and there is cruelty no matter what. And, and I will agree with a lot of those texts that came in. You know, there's cruelty everywhere. And we should be honing in on every aspect of where it's happening. For horses, it's everywhere. We have a horse crisis. There's horses bought and sold, you know, babies, basically little foals. And especially, um, you know, the, the uh, young uh, boy foals because uh, they're not wanted. They can't breed. 
so therefore, you know, you can't get another one out of them. So they're just rubbish sometimes and dumped as rubbish. Okay, so what's so typically what is typically bought and sold at a horse fair? I know it's horses. I mean, imagine it's probably ponies and things like that. But for what? Reason? Yeah, and dogs and everything actually. Um, look, why why do do urban areas have horses? And that's where they're getting them from. You know, horse fairs. They come up and down in cars and vans and everything. Like we know that for definite. We've seen it. Okay, seen. I was um, I was down visiting grave was my mother's grave actually and I think it was probably uh, Mother's Day but uh, down in, in Mahan uh, St. Michael's and it was just yeah. driving down there and there was two horses in a in an open green area in a housing estate tied with a rope to a to a tree is that what you're talking about those kind of yeah. ones yeah exactly and and that's all over Ireland you know that, that's not just one place and we can't continue that and this is up to the councils these are usually council estates where there's, you know, there's a lot of this going on. They just think they can have a horse. A horse is a very expensive animal to have. If it gets sick, it's very expensive to fix, you know. Um, it, it's, it needs to, to have hay during the winter. It needs a lot of water. We're coming to the summer and you'll see horses tied to a green, tied to a pole, a tree, whatever, and they won't have a drop of water for hours and hours on end. For right. some reason, these yeah. people, kids, think they don't need anything like that. So why isn't there anybody protesting at horse fairs then or in these estates or taking on people who engage in cruel sulky racing? Yeah, yeah, and and there really should be. And the thing is that, you know, I I know my lovely horse rescue, we try our very best. We, you know, we do a lot with the Gardaí to try and uh, so they understand their their powers for, for, you know, as far as animal welfare are concerned. We do a lot of work with trying to help horses in many different areas. But it is a people power thing, but it's also, it's our government. Our government needs to stop this. They need to realise, right, that's it. Enough is enough. We're not going to take this any longer. Other countries are doing it. We're now at the moment asking, can we not have an animal welfare guard a unit? Only two to three guards that will start this off will be perfect because we need it. Other countries have it. Why doesn't Ireland? Okay. And we've got a serious cruelty issue. Okay, you're saying that um, you don't wish to comment on entry, I accept that, but you're saying that the horse racing industry is enormous and impossible to take down. I'm not saying it's impossible to take down, but I am saying that it is enormous. Like any other industry, there's good and bad. And I do understand what, what they're talking about, but it is a huge industry. It's a huge money-making industry. But we have volunteers with My Lovely Horse Rescue that work in that industry. And they have t- told us the good and bad going on in that too. Like every other industry, especially where it has horses involved in it, you know, or, or animals involved in it, animals can't talk, so therefore they can be exploited in many different ways. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, let me get back some more texts here. Thank you for your input, Martina. Much obliged, my lovely horse. Um, I thought that Orla was a breath of fresh air to listen to. Another person says, ask them, ask a vegan what they feel about 80 million bees being destroyed in the production of avocados in Florida alone. Yes, and avocados, incredible problems with drought because of the amount of water that's needed. These animal rights fanatics are an insidious group. They want absolutely everything banned if it involves an animal. Some gullible folk aren't aware that show jumping, fishing, even going to the pier to fish for a few mackerel with your kid, dog agility classes, cat shows, etc. They are all on their radar. Uh, says Richie, uh, you, by your means this morning, Neil, are supporting criminal behaviour and supporting trespassing. I'm calling you out on that. Well, you're entitled to call me out. I'm just going after 
uh, the story because we covered it back end of last week. The protest was on Saturday and I wanted to get an update. Um, and we'll, we'll have to see actually what happens in court after the police um, decide to do whatever they wish to do with those they've uh, charged. Some of the peaceful protesters were on television trying to tear down a perimeter fence. That's not peaceful. That's criminal damage, says Paddy. Uh, come on, man. She's talking absolute nonsense. She's not out to protect horse racing or gambling. It's a disgrace what they did during the Grand National. The horses are better looked after than we are, for God's sake. Uh, time to turn you off. I'm not listening to this tripe. No one is interested in these animal welfare green agenda nutters. Uh, well done for defending the poor horses from that man on the air. He was rude. The horses are forced to run those races. They are forced. And one or two more. She's a great speaker for animal rights. People don't want to know about the dark side of the industry. They don't want to know whether uh, 3,000 horses that weren't fast enough to race were slaughtered in Ireland in the last three years outside of the horses that die on the race courses. Uh, morning, get her off the air. I work in the racing industry all my life and she hasn't a clue what she's talking about. And there are pages and pages more back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. On gambling, if you are losing, um, the gambling apps will send you passes for the races. They're lower than a snake's belly. Morning, I work on a bookies. 100% when they see too much winnings, it's flagged. And yes, it happens in shops too. Um, yeah, so in the bookies as well, they will notice if you're winning too much and it is flagged. What it's meant by flagged, I don't know. Uh, a few weeks ago, I set up an account on Boyle Sport to do a few bets on Cheltenham. I put in 30 euro, uh, put on a few bets and thought no more about it. When I checked my account after the races had taken place, I had over 230 euro in my account. I put on a few more bets and logged out again. A few days later, I decided to withdraw my win, but the message came up that my account required approval. I investigated this via four phone calls. They were informing me that my debit card was not under my married name and they wanted my account to be verified, so they asked for proof of address with my maiden name. I submitted one bill, but it was over three months old and it wasn't good enough. So it was still an issue. I queried why they had not an issue with the account when I set it up in the first place. I also informed them over the phone that there was no issue taking money from my account, but when I wanted to withdraw, there's suddenly an issue. I informed them that I wanted to submit a complaint and I had to go. Lo and behold, when I checked my account again, it was suddenly verified. Just wanted to share how corrupt some of these websites can be, says Fiona. Uh, and there's more. If you're winning with the online bookmakers, they will restrict or close your account. It's a dark area. You should talk to Joe Seward and he will explain it. It's worth bringing it to light, says Jer from Ardfert. I will get on to the Joe Seward. I also will give out some help numbers with regards to people who might have an issue regarding gambling or addiction issues. So if you need a phone number, let me give you that because we spoke a lot about gambling. Gamblers Anonymous are available on 87 uh, or a national number 018721 Three, three. Um, and just one more for now. Um, in the gambling industry, if you keep winning or you go over 1,000 euro in winnings in a selected time, or if your bets are over a certain limit, you become a monitored customer. I worked for Boyle Sports for seven years and was a manager for five. You can fill out a form online or in a shop called a self-exclusion form with passport pictures and you can buy yourself for six months 
or 12 months. Another note, you're not allowed to ask a customer to stop betting or to calm down if they're losing, as Neil suggested, as it might disgruntle them when they deserve to win their money back. Lastly, we had a guy whose minimum bet in my shop was €500. Euro. He went to sea for four weeks in the Navy, so couldn't come into the shop. Two weeks in, we had the traders from Boyles calling us, asking if we had seen him around. He came back from sea and he won a Boyle Sport draw for a trip to Cheltenham, which he never entered in the first place. So you are noticed when you're not around. You're noticed when you're not gambling. Uh, sorry, can't listen to a radio station that supports criminals. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is me because I had animal rising on the air. I accept that. And there's lots more like that we should come back to. Text 0868104106. Can I stay with animals, actually? Can I stay with pets and what have you, and pet-related matters? Uh, because I mentioned uh, on yesterday's program that I was contacted uh, by Louise Griffey. She is a grief recovery specialist and the founder of Light After Loss. Um, and if I were to tell you that it specializes in helping people through pet loss and the grief that people go through having lost a pet that they loved. Um, I, thought that was, I thought that was an amazing concept, to be quite honest with you, because we've all been through that kind of grief, you know, primarily, but not exclusively, the loss of the family dog. But Louise joins me by phone. Louise, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Doing? I'm well, thank you. It's, but but I mentioned it's not just dogs, pet dogs. Sure, it's not. Of course not. I mean, a lot of my clients contact me when they have lost cats, horses, rabbits, all all kinds of animals that people have connections to. And also, it's not just about death because many of our animal companions, you know, we we experience loss due to pets disappearing, pets being stolen, pets having to be surrendered. So there is just much to speak about when it comes to loss of a pet. Because it can be like a family member, you know, it's the devastating loss of them not being there. I mean, for a long time afterwards, you, you, you go in your front door and it hits you again when they're not there to greet you, kind of grief, isn't it? Of course. And when we are with our animals day in, day out, daily, we are responsible for keeping these animals alive they're living beings and we create really strong connections and bonds with them Mm. sometimes a lot of people even that live on their own would have stronger bonds and connections with their animals than with some humans in their life so it really is the most unrecognized discounted form of grief oh my god that is such an important aspect you could have somebody not necessarily elderly but perhaps living alone and their dog or their cat was the center of their universe Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. You're right. And 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 how do you help then? So what I what I specialize is I, I help people with grief and loss experiences, and that would include all kinds of loss: death of a loved one, ending of a relationship, ending of a marriage, health loss, career loss. But I've chosen to specialize in pet loss due to my own personal experience. Both of my dogs passed away within 24 hours of each other back in 2019. So just before the start of the COVID-19 virus. And I found myself deep in grief and could not find specialised help. Therapy and counselling are fantastic. But specialised pet loss help was, was not available in Ireland. So I went on to train 
with a US company called the Grief Recovery Institute and I now help others which is it's it's just so amazing that I can do this for others that are experiencing this and I work completely online so I can help people mm. throughout the world which mm. is fantastic. What is there is there a, is it like a 6 step 10 step 12 step program or something? It, these are, yes, it's an educational program, but they have huge, huge therapeutic benefits, Neil. And it can range between a six-week and eight-week kind of programs. And I am teaching people about grief, about the myths, the misinformation. And then there is a evidence-based program that can help people move through grief and recover from the on, you know, the stuck grief that they have inside. And can it be stuck? Because just listening to you there and thoughts coming into my own head that the only thing really that will make it better is time. That is a huge myth and I love that you brought that up, Neil, because we all know the saying, time heals all wounds. And we've been told this throughout, you know, throughout generations. So it's probably responsible for more heartache than any other single wrong idea in our society and time alone cannot heal emotional pain it is the actions and choices we make within that time that help us but it can but it can I mean we all went through some kind of loss in our lives even up to now the death of my mother was devastating but it doesn't hurt as much as it did the first year second year was Mm -hmm. a bit better 10-15 years later yeah I mean I still mourn her but I remember her fondly now but without that hole in my chest Mm-hmm. You know, um, I suppose some people may process grief in different ways, and you have you may have had lots of supportive, you know, people around you and so on. But some people, unfortunately, they don't, and and that's where I'm coming from 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 um, from when I say that the time time can't heal alone itself. So I suppose there are other yeah. kind of myths out there when it comes, especially with pet loss, because I feel that people are judged a lot. Um, and sometimes people are taught to kind of feel weak because they are grieving I know. the loss of a yeah. pet. And again, so. that it gets me thinking, you know, that some people might say to a friend or whatever, a colleague, you know, that they're devastated or they're absolutely heartbroken because their pet has died, their dog or what have you. And the, and the other just doesn't get it kind of thing because it's not a human being. Yes, and you know, it's, it's okay. A lot of people don't know what to say and remember that that's okay and just to be honest and just to show the person that you care and my advice would be for someone you know that is wondering what to do or how to help someone that's going through pet laws just to listen without judgment and don't forget to check in regularly even months after the initial loss when people really need it and you know even doing something like bring a cooked meal go for a walk do a bit of shopping for them is just huge. Buy them a pet memorial gift. You know, there are so many things that people can do because yeah. we all don't know what to say, but it's okay just just to be there for someone. Is it particularly hard to grieve for somebody who was, it was just them and the dog and then the dog is gone and it's the loss of the dog, but this overwhelming loneliness that it replaces? Of course, and even if somebody is going through a sudden death, you know, of a pet, trying to speak or find someone to trust and feel safe with opening up to can be really difficult because numbness and shock are completely normal responses to the death of an animal companion. And 
along with along with those responses comes with disrupted sleep patterns, changing in eat habit, eating habits, and just a total roller coaster of emotional energy. And isolation is such a huge, huge problem. So that's where a lot of people kind of reach out to me, where they feel that they mm. can't speak to someone who doesn't don't have anybody that they feel safe or trust. But is, 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 is the secret to wait a little time and then get another dog or another cat or am I being cold in saying that? Well, everybody is completely individual and unique in their own grieving um, patterns. But my advice would be if you feel that, you know, you have love in your heart to give to another animal companion, totally. But if you feel that you are totally consumed and tormented by the death of your pet and that you can't feel joy in your life, that's when I say that reaching out for help, be that a counsellor, be that, you know, a pet loss specialist. And, and actually that can help people to get to a place where they can welcome a new pet into their life. Mm, mm. No, I mean, I was attracted to your email because I'd never heard of pet loss counselling or pet mm-hmm. loss support groups. I think you're putting together a programme. Are you doing a six-week online group, is it, to help people? Yes, um, the group actually started last week, but I have groups that are kind of ongoing and I have one-on-one online programmes as well that I can facilitate for Mm. people. I have a lot of details and helpful information over on my Instagram page. Mm. It's at underscore light after loss or people can contact me, of course, through the website. Which is www.lightafterloss.ie I'd love to hear about the uptake of of people getting in touch with you. Will you come back to me and let me know how it goes? Obviously there's some form of cost involved, but I'd love people to work that out with you directly. Um, But do come back and let me know how the course goes. I will do, Neil. Thank you so much. All right, Louise. Regards to you and everybody up Dunhamore Way. Appreciate you taking the call. Pet Loss Grief Recovery Specialist. That was the first for me. Text 0868104106 on that. One of the aspects that that um, Louise mentioned there with regards to mourning, whether it's you know, a human being or indeed the loss of a loved one or a pet, is uh, interruptions to sleep patterns. And that segues me very nicely into something that hopefully will happen tomorrow because um, I've got a lot on tomorrow, but I'm bringing back Michael Henry, the um, the psychic. He also does dream analysis, lads. He does dream analysis. And I wanted to hone in a little more with regards to people's dreams and the dreams that people have and the significance of them, you know, what they're about. So if you're having a dream or it's a recurring dream or a particular type of dream, and there are many common and some might say weird kind of dreams that people have that actually have a reason behind them, like flying dreams, for instance, or falling dreams or doing an exam dream where you're not prepared for it or being chased dreams or being involved in a car accident or the car accident is almost in, in slow motion or the or dreaming of the death of loved ones and what have you or being trapped dreams. They can be awful. I mean, just giving you an example of a lot of people have sex dreams, for instance. So, uh, headphones on, you wanted to jump in on this and that, share your that, own recurring dream, is it? specifically on the sex dreams. No, that's not where I was going with it. But I was going no, to say... No, I mean, I'm not making these up. I just happen <laughs> no, no, to have ab- the 10 common and weird dreams that people have. Absolutely. And I know those kind of dreams are, are actually quite common. Um, and a little bit unnerving, I suppose, depending flying. on who is in it. Um, yeah. You're doing the flying. I've done, the, I've done the falling one. I actually was falling. Only, I was only saying the, the I've a couple of dreams where you're falling to the ground and you can I can actually see the, like 
it's very realistic I can see the ground coming up to meet me which is why um, we were only talking about it yesterday that the theme parks you know I, I really enjoy roller coasters but anything that has a very steep drop just count me out because of that feeling of like I the dream of a high velocity drop of high velocity and I don't have a fear of heights I wouldn't say like I can be on a hot tall building and not have a problem I'm probably missing other recurring dreams though they're just, they're just I always dream mind. about being in here and, and and we have nothing. Like we have no, nobody's picking up the phone. Don't you no, dream that I, all, all the time. Like, I, I would know, say we, need to, get, we need to get rid of that because there's no joy in life if you're thinking oh, like that. Man, that's just, a normal day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no one's well, picking up the idea of like you know it's half nine in the morning and like it's Monday morning ten past nine. Oh, is picking up and there's, there's, there's you know there's, I'm flying around the place and then and you dream that, do you? Yeah, and then there's always something like I can't see properly or I, I'm I'm falling asleep and can't stop myself from falling asleep and this is all going on and I'm just unable to kind of deal with everything it's just this like but you're not, you're not suffering dream. anxiety and stress over that issue where you can't get to sleep are you? Oh, no I w- I w- I'd be upset to hear that I know I wouldn't say that but it's, it's a not, tough gig but I don't want it to be that yeah. hard <laughs> yeah no it's just a, it's just a, I'll wake up and I'll go oh god okay well that probably won't happen tomorrow we should be okay let's get back to sleep but it's just a my god it's it's like I come in here sometimes and it's, I have a dream the night before and it's almost like PTSD you know having had the dream where oh, I was here the night before man. I come in and I'm like oh god I hope this doesn't happen again yeah your brain your brain works in funny ways you know but Neil it's uh, I had that in a previous job I worked as a travel agent and I woke and be like jeez I never booked your one's holiday <laughs> <laughs> but that was real though you didn't do it or you'd have dreams of it I'd, I'd have dreams of it um, oh like, god yeah. <laughs> I woke up there a few weeks ago as well it was a Saturday I was half dressed to get to work and I was going to go hang on it's Saturday I know that's not a dream that's pure stupidity <laughs> I, I'm telling you but like it, it's not like I don't remember my dreams straight away but like it, it kind of leaks out during the day so we want to listen hear, hear from those people as yeah. well yeah. I, don't either, but I, I was told that if I stop drinking coffee at 3 in the afternoon right that I will remember my dreams for for two weeks I stopped drinking coffee at lunchtime every day and I still didn't remember I think it depends on um, they say that you know the deeper the sleep the less likely you are to remember the dream so you're, you're the ones you tend to remember are the ones either they're very late at night or early in the morning just before you wake up or just as you go to sleep if you get woken up abruptly you're more than likely to to remember the dream so start I, drinking coffee after four I always remember the dream I always seem to like if there's something coming up in my life that's a big event I will dream about it always like I know I have a cup final on Sunday at Turner's Cross and I know that probably at Friday or Saturday Amazing. I will have a dream about Turner's yeah. Cross at and some you're point. back in here tomorrow as well that's another big event yeah no one's Every picking day. up. No one's picking up. Okay, no, so let's get those, the let's phones. get people. I'll get, let, let's get a few. Let's get that dream analysed in the morning anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, because that's definitely. connected to work yeah. related issues. So we'll come back to that tomorrow with Michael Henry. So do text your own dreams. It doesn't necessarily have to be any of the ones that I just listed there for you out of the top ten common and weird dreams that people have. But apparently they are all significant, and apparently there is a reason for them. So if you have a dream that you'd like to have analysed the meaning of, do let us know. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six or you can email if you wish neil at redfm.ie the neil prendeville show on cork's red fm our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106 okay back to phone lines in a couple of seconds time one of the stories i mentioned at the top of the hour that's after nine this morning was baywatch set to return to tv after two decades you got to wonder whether it makes sense to bring shows back like that because a lot of the time they are calamitous and they don't work out but then we put together a list of other shows that 
are already reboots and have already been done and some of them are they're bringing back MacIver for instance it's going to be a new MacIver they did Hawaii Five O, and apparently that was shocking uh, you also had ones like Magnum PI which was brought back equally shocking they tell me that the X-Files was rebooted Twin Peaks Quantum Leap The Outer Limits Mission Impossible by movie form I think wasn't it oh god the original moving Mission Impossible series were brilliant Dynasty Columbo did the business back in the 70s and they brought it back again then in the in the early 80s it wasn't as bad it wasn't as good it wasn't bad uh, you know it was it was Peter Falk was still pretty good but nothing like the original ones and some of the upcoming reboots that are planned I mentioned Baywatch obviously Frasier although everybody is telling Kelsey Grammer don't do it in fact they're saying the same to Basil Fawlty don't bring back faulty tires. It just won't work as to whether or not uh, he's going to listen. I don't know. And apparently there's a Knight Rider in the works as well, too. So there's some of them. I'm probably leaving out others. If you know of reboots that either worked or didn't work, text 0868104106. Or if I'm missing any ones that are planned, do get in touch. Pick up the phone for all other business uh, on 0818104106. Neil was talking about artificial intelligence models being used. Yes. There are photographs in the papers this morning uh, of models advertising fashion for a lot of the big brands, but they're not human beings. They don't exist. They were not people. They never had a heartbeat. They just donate. They were created by artificial intelligence. You're talking about computer generated images of women and saying they're not real. Well, there's enough women and men walking around Cork who aren't real with the amount of work they've had done to themselves. There are young girls destroying themselves. Most of them look like they've just come out of a boxing ring with swollen lips. So we can't really complain about computer images, can we? Yesterday, because I was talking a lot about filtering uh, on the air. Yesterday, I'm not on TikTok, so the lads were showing me some different uh, filtering apps that you can use that change your complete body or your face. Um, And it's actually quite scary what these things can do. Um, and it's just not a photograph. They can actually change your face, your features, your shape, your jawline, if you wish, uh, the makeup that you're wearing and everything. Just completely, totally uh, and improve your looks. Improve your looks is one way of putting it, of course, but it's fake on the other hand. But there's also one that will tell you um, your age based on your face. Nobody would believe it yesterday. Everyone was asking. <laughs> not because I used one of these, um, what are they called, age apps? I'm not quite sure what the right term for it is. You literally take a photograph of yourself and within 10 seconds it tells you your face age. <laughs> Mine was 24. So these things clearly lie, you know. They clearly lie. Anyway, if you've tried it, I'm quite sure you've had a laugh with it yourself. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go on 0818 because I spoke yesterday with Lorsie Lovey regarding sensory hours and sensory shows for children on the autism spectrum. I was contacted by Stephanie. Lengthy email, but always better to chat. So, Stephanie, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, and let's talk autism buddy clubs and sensory hours and sensory shows because yeah. Lorna's... Um, L- Lorna's treatment if you like or the way the the sensory show at Omniplex went was dreadful it just didn't work out and her her son um, got very upset and had to leave so you wanted to pick up on that go ahead yeah no it's it's quite it's quite common which is really sad so my little girl is just going through um, and we got her diagnosed super early and we were on the ball and it's great having awareness now and a lot of people are trying to, I'll phrase it nicely, jump on the bandwagon. 
of having inclusive areas and being really inclusive and being autism friendly. But like Lorna said, unless you're going to do it properly, don't don't do it at all. Okay, well, her experience is far from ideal because it was oh God, a yeah. it was a Super Mario movie, wasn't it? At yeah. Omniplex, and the lights were all. On and the volume was all up and her son just freaked and they had to go so yeah. they, they, they did apologise for that but can that can that happen? Yeah definitely like my I can't go to the supermarket so we can't go shopping with my little girl because the amount of people the announcements over the tannoids music in the background the lights being too bright she just can't handle it um, and there's a retail unit near me in Dublin and they advertise an autism hour so I was like great maybe we can get her going out and about and we can introduce her to like you know retail environments and make it a bit more of an easier um an easier experience because our life at the moment is done on click and collect that's the only way we can do a shop right. unless one of us stays at home yeah so but it's better to introduce being, then rather than avoid yeah like she, she deserves as much of a chance to be in the outside world as anybody else correct she just has extra needs but this chain beside us in dublin advertises from a quarter to nine to a quarter to ten one day a month a month? A month. So how's that inclusive? It's not. And a lot of families will be similar to mine where my daughter doesn't really sleep. So we might be, she goes to bed at 8, she might wake up at 11. We could be still up at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. she'll, she'll die. Um, she'll go to sleep at 6 and she might wake up at half 8. So those hours don't do families like mine. And we're not in the minority. A lot of autistic people have trouble sleeping. They're the stupid o'clock hours like. Yeah. So, like, for example, Ash and you know, we tried planning a Christmas, you know, like the Christmas experiences. Why not let her meet Santa? Everyone else does. And there was a place probably about 40 minutes from Dublin. And you could go, I think it was between half five and half seven on a Tuesday. In the evening? In the evening. There yeah. was no Saturday or Sunday slots. So the impression I get is bring her out while the rest of the world is asleep or it's not convenient. And before she makes before she's not able for the outside world or before she's not able to be out and about and she has a meltdown and she might, in, in inverted commas, make a show of you, as people would say, yeah. get her home. Yeah. So she can go out when everyone else isn't there. But when people are there or it's busy on a Saturday where most families would want to be out enjoying themselves, it's, it's not built for her, so you stay at home. Would You know, with children on the spectrum and we talk yeah. about the lights and the sounds and what have you, are, yeah. are they, are they, do they also become upset or agitated because there's too many people around? Yeah. Okay. So my door would be really triggered by people. So, like, if you go to a shopping centre, if you, if you close your eyes, Neil, and you hear all the muffling and all the different things going around, she just can't process it quick enough and she can't separate all the noises together and all the, the different smells and everything else that comes at her. That she just goes into pure meltdown. Um, like there's two massive shops that we just know we can't go into because the lights are so bright. Mm. Mm. Um, and and is if you know by introducing children to this, are you, are you hoping that they will get better and improve and get over these sensory issues in later age, or will they always have that? Um, I believe she'll all, always have it, but what we'll have is the tools to be able to try and help her and deal with it. So she does an awful lot of occupational therapy to try and help regulate her insights and regulate her emotions so when she is starting to get overwhelmed there's different things that we can do so like I might bring a weighted blanket out with me because the pressure on her will really help or a pair of headphones might help her because the sound isn't as aggravating to her but unfortunately I can't help what she sees I can't block vision for her so if lowering down the light would help 
the, the neurotypical shoppers or customers probably wouldn't notice the lights aren't as bright. But the neurodiverse people will. So why not just turn down all of the lights full stop or just yeah. turn down the announcements or get rid of the music? Um, would it really impede on people that much? I don't think it would impede on neurotypical people, but I think it would be a massive difference from the neurodiverse community. That's what I'm saying. And I'm saying for those yeah. that, you know, really, I mean, okay, people might complain that they can't see the labels or the prices on things. I don't know. There's probably some way of pushing back against that. Would you think that people would find something wrong with it? Um, I think I think we'll never be able to keep everybody happy. Like, no matter what somebody does, the spectrum is that, that wide, Neil, that it might benefit my daughter and mightn't benefit someone else. So I'm, I'm fully aware we can't make every environment inclusive but it, nobody's asking for a room to be black or a shop to be black I like know. you know it doesn't have to be completely dark but yeah. having UV lights in your face I don't really see the purpose of it it might make the shop look a bit prettier or a bit more inviting but it's but like, but, but for sure to do better with the autism hours yeah yeah like to do something first thing in the morning or last thing at night that's not being inclusive how do you manage then say for instance with a, a fun fair or the Marys or a Funderland or a theme park go. or a tato park, no? No, we don't go. Um, I have uh, a nephew with additional aids as well, and we brought him to tato park before. But unfortunately, his disability has to dis- disappear after eight rides because that's all their band functions for. What? So, the, why would that be? Like, do you pay you a different? Access, yeah, you get an access band, and that will give you like priority cre- uh, queuing for up to eight rides. But if he likes the same ride and wants to go on that multiple times, or if he wants to go on absolutely everything in Tato Park, unfortunately, after eight rides, his band is worse. And what's the story then, say, for instance, with autism-friendly dining opportunities? Much of those? Um, there's one or two that we'd use in Dublin. Um, there's their stage at the back of a restaurant or away from the kitchen. They wouldn't be near a door. The tables would be a little bit further apart. Um, and I've had positive experience in those, I've also had positive experience when you book a table and I, I often say, my daughter has needs, so can you keep us away from a busy area? A lot of places will do as best as they can the to best facilitate they can, that. Yeah, with the square footage um, they have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then it's up to us then to try and make that as pleasant for her and for us. So we'd come fully armed. So we'd have busy books, I'd have magnets, we'd have her fidgets. Like we come with a school bag full of stuff to make sure that... If something's overwhelmed, she's a little bit distracted and we can try and help her. But do you also come forearmed and forewarned that it could potentially potentially mean that you just have to leave? Oh, 100%. So I'm, I'm known in my lo- local supermarket from leaving a trolley in the shop. Because if I bring her with me and it gets too much, I just have to go. Um, we've left restaurants before we've even had starters and had to pay the full bill. We have booked into hotels and driven home at two o'clock in the morning because she can't sleep because the music downstairs could be too loud or the room just might not be to her liking. She just doesn't want to stay. She's um, upset, but that must very much upset you as well, though. Oh, it's, it's horrible. It's because you can't help her. You try so hard to preempt every situation that you can. And like that, you book the likes of a sensory screen in a cinema and you plan your whole week around this one hour that's going to be completely suitable to your family and then you go in and then it's not. I know. Okay, so it's not about box ticking. Just get people to try harder and try to be more inclusive, isn't it? It's just a little bit of understanding. Like, nobody wishes for this life and nobody wishes they have to have all these exemptions made for their children or for their young adults and their family. 
that when you see the word inclusive or autism friendly or any disability, like somebody in a wheelchair, say, for example, that can't get into somewhere because they don't have accessibility, it's just being a bit more mm. empathetic towards other people's situations. Okay, thanks, Stephanie, for the email. Thanks for listening. Appreciate no you getting problem, in touch. Neil, thank you. And hopefully we'll speak with other people who have similar stories to share how things are and how things could be better. You can do what Stephanie did. Email Neil at redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Fabulous text here from somebody who's obviously involved in data protection or that whole area. Says many, many things just regards to the hacks that I spoke about earlier this morning. Please advise your audience to use different passwords in your online accounts. Keep track of passwords with a password manager app or software. Inform the audience that all personal data is protected by GDPR legislation. You can always go to court for your privacy once your data is compromised. Hopefully never, but if it is, court is an option. Um, it talks as well about things that um, you know businesses need to do with regards to storing their data, encrypting their servers and where their location, their storage is located, the use of USB keys and uh, advising companies Neil, also to inform their customers as soon as the data gets compromised because they'll need to change their information like passwords really, really quickly. It's a fabulous text. It's unsigned, and thank you for it. I remember 10 years ago, this is back to um, the protest at Aintree. I remember 10 years ago watching a horse race on TV where a horse broke his leg badly uh, after going over a fence. He tried to run while his leg was broken and flapping around until he collapsed on the ground. Obviously, it had to be put down, but my heart was broken from that day onwards for that horse and the horrible injury. I've never got over it, says Tony in Douglas. You should not allow tree huggers on the radio. It's a shambles having someone like that on and you're backing her up, when, which is even worse. You, you might hear it that way, but believe me, that is not the way that I would set out to do an interview or conversation with somebody. So it's unfortunate you saw it that way. Yes, horses die at these races, but humans die in sport as well, including jockeys, soccer players, and only last week a rally driver passed away. They could have protested outside, but no, these people want to be on television. That's all they want. Those horses are bred for horse racing. So ban cars, why don't you? Because people die on the roads. Uh, why do people die in road accidents? It's an accident. They happen all, in all walks of life. Uh, and one more, there's no such thing as vegan. I bet she has a smartphone. Bet that they wear shoes, house clothes, live in a house. All these things use animal-based products. A vegan diet also has a huge climate change impact and kills and displaces smaller animals. The healthiest environmentally healthy diet is a varied global diet. So thank you for all of those. Those that I don't get to, I will come back to in the morning. But I'm going to love you and leave you for the day that's in it today with some tickets for the Waterboys. They are playing live at the marquee on the 18th of June. Um, today it's the Waterboys, tomorrow Tommy Tiernan, Thursday Ollie Murs, and Friday Bellex One. So if you're a Waterboys fan, pick up the phone now. A pairs of tickets for the Waterboys on June 18th at the marquee. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818104106. It's midday. Have a good day. Enjoy the afternoon. Sunshine, fingers crossed. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.